Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. WaveKey was created by Brad Gerlach to help improve your surfing. WaveKey is a land-based systematic surf training method. For all surfers, for all levels. Check out wavekey.com. That's W-A-V-E-K-I.com. Pada Sushi, a new sushi place here at the Albertsons in Newland Center. Your go-to spot for grab-and-go sushi, handmade, fresh daily. You can get all your favorites or get something custom. And make sure to stop by on Fridays for the $5 special. Pada Sushi. At Albertsons in the Newland Center off of Beach and Adams. Foo Wax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, 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 we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Bonsai balls. They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck. They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl, healthy, delicious. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only a hundred calories, all organic, no sugar, also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard seltzer. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Also supported by Octopus the massive corporate juggernaut. Octopus, making stuff for people who actually surf. Go, Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Part two. Part two. Part, part two. 
<laughs> with G to the motherfucking T. What up, Z? boy? <laughs> <laughs> We're sitting in oh my your God. lovely showroom, the Von oh. Zipper showroom. Yeah, that's way more offices. impressed than I thought I'd be. Holy shit, this place is. I'm gonna need a sick. pair of those and a set of those and one of you these. You guys get whatever you want. You know <laughs> that. This place is fucking sick. Hey, you as have. As long as I have the key to the warehouse, you guys get whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> your office is insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, your your office, your no, personal well, office is sick. I mean, the good news is we got enough. What space. is that? A ten by ten? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's an upgrade from uh, from the garage we started in, but you know, it's it's fun. We got our own entrance. I got four or five motorcycles in the hallway walking in, which I can't fit in my garage. Yeah. Hey, I got a you know like the board riders group. The gym happens to be right. Like I walk out my door and there's a gym like. God ever I use 20, it. 20 yeah. Bench. yeah, exactly right. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm, I'm squatting 220 hey, right now. Is it leg no, day today? No, no, I am. Just so we all know, through rehab and everything else, I am lightweights, lots of reps. Okay, so yeah. so anyways, a lot of reps. We, we got, toning. You're about toning. We got a good space here. It's super comfortable, and really, it's a reflection of all the shit that Von Zipper and I am into as a brand yeah. between surf, skate, yeah. moto, snow. Rock and roll, yeah. Getting you, loose, you got your identity, you know. and yeah, yeah. It's, it's all part of it. So all right, GT. The last time we were together, <laughs> we left off at yeah, you uh, taking away from Leo Ferravante. Yeah. yeah, and he's the nicest guy ever. Yeah. So, <laughs> how much fun was that this year at Pipe, where they had the Mikey Wright Leo three man kind of showdown? Sick. Heat? I Sick. was more involved with that than I was maybe the whole contest. But anyways, continue. Yeah. So so it. let's go back because I mean. We've got a lot. We talked about of, a pretty much a decade of yeah traveling, <laughs> <laughs> traveling, sleeping in the gutter, all that. But shit. let's go back to your fucking businesses. Well, we're here, yeah. so why don't we talk about? Okay, so you want to talk action sports crap because I can do that. So I think earlier on in the conversation, I think I'd mentioned that my first line was Astrodeck, and um, I did. I did it initially as a sub rep, and my territory was largely, um, um, largely Santa Barbara to the border. And you're still working at Infinity. Um, no, I, no, that was my first gig after Infinity. Okay. So I left. I I love the guys at Infinity. Yeah. I probably could have opened up a shop. I probably could have opened up a retail store in Dana Point, but I never wanted to steamroll them. Yeah. And it's funny because even in the time when I was working for Infinity. Steve, the owner, was like, dude, I'd teach you to shape, but you'll put me out of business. You know what I mean? So, and I wasn't necessarily a tool guy anyways. That came later in life. But the point being is, I was like, well, what's my next gig? And so, Astrodeck was a brand I rode for, for surf. And um, and so, I knew Herbie yeah. and Christian and Nathan were my buddies. And I was kind of cool. And, and so, the rep who did it's it at that man. time... Um, we're like, hey man, I need a sub rep. I'm like, okay, I just left Infinity. I got my degree from San Diego State. Like, what am I gonna do now? And it's funny because Herbie interviews me, and I was like, basically, I think I might have said this earlier, but basically, you know, I did pretty well at San Diego State. I graduated on the dean's list, and I had magnum cum laude and all this shit. Anyways, I'm like, so Herbie interviews me, and I'm like, oh, by the way, I got a bachelor's degree in business, and he's like, fuck that shit, just get on the road, kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, hey, like, GT, just get on the road and sell something, man. You know, and so I was like, okay, I guess I didn't need that ticket punched after all, right? Yeah, yeah. there's a boxes in the warehouse, yeah. little stuff, just get it out of here. Yeah, no, so, we just want to ship shit. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> So um, who do you remember who the rep was? Bob Zutel was my so Bob Zutel was the rep at the time and rad guy. Zuter's a rad guy to this day. He floats around. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I, he surfaces every now and again. But the point being is, I did that for a fairly good period of time and eventually ended up with the territory. And it wasn't like I took it from Bob. Bob moved on to some other stuff. Yeah. And so I had the whole territory for AstroDeck. And again, at that time, everybody bought AstroDeck. Oh, like uh, Archie pads, you know, Matt Archibald's pad, Christian's pad, uh, whoever, whatever. But the point being mm -hmm. is, it was super fun because I could walk into any shop and yeah. sell 12 what? pieces. Was Jesus. this during... The Wave Warrior. That was that was right on it. Yeah, that was wow. right on it. It might have been. I'm thinking that I might have been just like just after maybe two, but it was right in that window. Yeah. Okay, and it was super fun because I fucking loved Herbie. Yeah. Nate and Christian were my buddies. Like me and Nathan were trying to do stale fish airs, and Christian would land them. I you know could hit one out of thirty or something. But the point being is, we thought we were doing something. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so so what was rad, as I said maybe previously, is. By having AstroDeck, I met every goddamn retailer from here to Santa Barbara and to the border, and everybody bought AstroDeck. So it opened me up that whenever any other line came up, I was the first call guy because I was in the shops more than any other reps yeah. because I was, I, all I'd do is wake up in the morning going, okay, I did San Diego last week, I guess I'll do Orange County, and the next week I'll do LA, and then the following week I'll do, so I was just on a constant loop, yeah. right? And so, and, and it was, it was fucking easy. Yeah. And, um, and it wasn't that complicated for me to count. Hey, this is before computers. Oh yeah. No, inventory. Oh, no. It's free. Yeah. You show free up. Free cell phone. Yeah, you show I up. have a checklist. <laughs> I'm like, hey dude, you sold seven Archie pads. You yeah. need seven more. Oh no, sell those 12. But what was rad is at the time, again, I had a little bit of energy in snow. I had a little bit of energy in surf. And so I could walk into any shop and the shop kids were like, oh dude, I saw that you were a fucking baker last week. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, where'd you go snowboarding? So it just always started a conversation. Even the oldest carpiest Glenn Kennedy surfboard shaper guy yeah. could respect me because at least he knew I was coming from a pure place. Like, yeah. like I'm not saying I was the biggest ripper. I never, I never claimed to be. Yeah, but you could talk but, shop but, and hang but, out and but swap mine stories. Is, is if I'm hanging out with Mike Stavros at San Pedro um, surf, like, dude, he let me in. He's like, dude, you want to go surf, you know, like the cliff, like, like, and like I got in, you know, so I had carte blanche to like show up at a couple of spots and, and the guys I really liked and I liked all my retailers, but like, Hey man, if it was five o'clock, we were like smoking weed, drinking beer, like talking stories. Maybe one of the shop girls were being friendly. I don't know, but, <laughs> yeah. but it all worked out and it was all part of what I was doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and granted too, like Asterdeck, not, not very many people remember the the power and and like popularity of Asterdeck. It was icon. I mean, it, it, it was it no. was a monster. There's no, no other brands doing no. it. No, and Herb was this Herb again, I consider him a good friend to this day. Herb is authentic as they come. Okay. For sure. And and and, and Dibby, come on, the Hoffman tribe, like yeah. there's no fucking with that. And I'm so, really proud of having a relationship with them because goddamn it, those guys are surfing fucking, you know, they're they're icons. Yeah, you know? Cause cause like I wanted to uh kind of amplify 
the brand itself. Super and important. And super Wave Warriors, yeah. Wave Warriors was a fucking record scratch when oh that God. came out. You yeah. know, and, and the thing, the combination of Astrodeck, yeah. right, big powerhouse brand, yep. and G to the motherfucking <laughs> T. <laughs> yeah. yeah, your personality and you know, your, but it was your, easy. Your clout, you, your yeah. clout was. I'm not saying you're I, the fucking. I may have established, been, I worked really hard to establish credibility with my retailers yeah. that I never, oh, you sold three pads, let me sell you 40. I never was that guy. Yeah. And if somebody said, oh, I need 40, I'm like, you sure? Why don't we do 20? I'll see you in two weeks. Like, I always played it really honest because, because mind you, oh, you didn't I, do the Bobby Lockhart. <laughs> well, I'm not, I, uh, Bobby's a homie. I'm not going to go down that road. But the point being is, we will. is yeah, you guys go right at it. Rackham, but the point being is, but the point being is, is that I also worked retail for eight years as a buyer. Yeah. So I had a fairly good understanding of the one side of the counter that only made me better on the other. Yeah. And so, so, and what's rather- Just like me, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> service port, mate. That's how we know each other. And so, so the, um, what was rad on top of that with Herbie, and this will be a very brief kind of sidewall to it, is Herbie was doing all this media shit and Christian, Nathan, and I were good friends. And we started a band called Bloodshot. And wow. it was, I was the lead singer. Um, Christian played bass. Nathan played rhythm guitar. Ray Bones Rodriguez. Yes, Ray Bones. Like Bones Brigade, yeah. Ray Bones. Ray yeah. Powell Peralta Ray. Wow. Was, was the lead guitar player. And, and Rick Rock, the shaper, who I, one of my favorite boards I ever had was by Rick. We formed this fucking band called Bloodshot. Christian's name, not mine. Hated it. <laughs> but the point being is, we formed this little band. And fucking, we got a little traction, and it was fun. And and so, so, fun, I so bet. where did so, you guys play? Like, so okay, so parties so, and oh, dude, so, so, yeah. I mean, we were playing the, the industry trade show party, the Zorlak party at, at at San Diego ASR. We played, but but the but the funny thing that was, we had crazy. probably practiced five or six times, <laughs> and Herbie organizes this Astro Deck tour um, from Florida to Rhode Island. Okay, how's this shit? So Florida to Rhode Island, okay, the band, yeah. we play at every Blood fucking shot. spot, Bloodshot shows up and plays, and then and then along with that was Christian Asoy, and a couple skaters came in and out, but it was Christian as the hold down, who was a fucking hero of mine, right? and, and Sergi Ventura was on that trip, and then a couple other people jumped in and out along the way, but basically we rented a, we landed in Cocoa Beach, and it's a, dude, this is a fucking glass one, we landed in Cocoa Beach, we got a tour bus, like we rented a coach, and we had a U-Haul, all right? And so so the first night we landed in Coco, and mind you, this is at a time when there was nobody bigger in surfing than Christian Fletcher, okay? Right. And quite frankly, there was probably nobody bigger in skate than Christian Asoy. Maybe Tony Hawk, but we've already talked about Christian's the guy. Yeah, okay? style. So, so wait, are we talking like 90-something? It was that. It was in that window. Again, I, I'm sorry because right I don't want to get the dates. the body glove? Exactly. I was going to say, it was in the lowest time when he got all the covers and yeah. Jeff Booth was like, fuck, that guy's not on tour and he's getting all the shots. <laughs> like that time frame. And yeah. I understand where Jeff was coming yeah, yeah, from yeah, at that yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, nobody was bigger than fucking Christian. Yeah. Either Christian at Two that Christians. And, and Nathan, he wasn't driving. He couldn't have been more than 14, right? And so anyways, so we land in Cocoa Beach. And the next day, we were going to play Ron John's. They had a mini ramp. We were going to play in the parking lot at Ron John's. So we land in town. Somebody knew somebody. So that first night, we unload all our shit. We planned some fucking pier. Um, like literally on the on the intercoastal, we play in somebody's backyard on this pier, right? And literally had a couple lamps plugged in on the pier, and we fucking rock out. And after we play, we go to this fucking bar in town or a nightclub in town, yeah. and we all fucking go in. And um, 
And and so we, you know, three in the morning, two in the morning, whatever it was, everybody's dispersed. Christian's probably got his dick sucked five times and Nathan's probably already in bed. And who knows, you know, Ray was always kind of misty. So anyway, so I'm like looking around, everybody's gone. And I'm like, fuck, I, I, I was like, fuck, I better go to bed, right? And so I walk out of the bar and I was fucking hammered. I had no idea where the fucking tour bus was, right? Oh, so yeah. now it's two, two, three in the morning in fucking Coco. And I'm like, this can't be hard. So I'm walking around. <laughs> I can't find the fucking bus, right? <laughs> so at one point, I wandered around for God knows how fucking long. So I end up coming up on some like Melrose Place kind of U-shaped apartment building thing where I just fell asleep in the courtyard, all right? <laughs> and dude, if I ever make a movie, this is the scene. This is Fast Times at Ridgemont High shit. So I fucking, the next morning, I wake up and kind of, you know, like I fucking hung over shit, trying to struggle to get my eyes open. And I was opening my eyes and I could tell there was some sort of commotion going on around me. And I kind of cracked my eyes open and I kind of look and I see like three paramedics running full steam towards me with all their shit. And I realized there's a couple fucking like neighbors, like in their robes and shit, like thinking like, you're dead. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I fucking bolt up like bing like fuck and just bolt like yeah like just like instant sobriety right (laughs) and i just ran so who the fuck knows but yeah i'm sure they thought i was some dead guy in their fucking courtyard of their fucking spot and anyways sure enough i go fucking whatever beeline i took i I ran straight into the fucking bus (laughs) and and those guys are like fuck gt and i'm like dudes you won't fucking believe this shit so maybe two hours later we're playing to a fairly big crowd at ron john's and christian Hosoy, we'd rock out and Christian was just destroyed. Like he destroyed anything we came across on that tour. Like mini ramp, killed it. Curbs in front of the shop, killed it. The hangar in Charleston, like he was fucking busting backside airs and like hitting the ceiling. Like he was like just incredible the whole way up to. Yeah, it was so awesome. So, so as an adjunct to that, the second show was in Sunrise at Sunrise Surf Shop, who Dan is fucking to this day. Total homie, right? At this, I'm guessing it was around 91. I'm not sure, but 92. I don't know. But anyways, so so we had a pretty big stretch from Coco to Jacksonville that we had to play. I can't recall if we played that night. Yeah, we played that afternoon. We might have stayed the night and then drove up the next day to Jacksonville. Well, anyways, so we're so mind you, we have a coach and we're on the fucking bus, and then there was. Um, a U-Haul that we had all the band shit and whatever promo. Jonathan Paskowitz was the the ringleader. Fucking classic shit. Oh my god, what a crew, dude! Right. So we're driving to we 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 so so if I recall correctly, and and again it's been a minute since I've done that drive, but the the quick way to Jacksonville is you kind of corner through Georgia, all right, to get to Jacksonville. Even though you could you think you could just go straight up to, from Daytona, to, but but I guess the shortcut is you kind of carve across a little bit of Georgia. So at one point we get to Georgia and we stop at this gas station, like middle of nowhere, pre-cell phones, like middle of nowhere shit, you know, good old boy country. Anyways, so we all fucking, you know, all would jump off the bus, grab whatever fucking gummy bears or whatever the fuck we were going to eat, Slurpees and whatever, hot dogs, whoever fucking knows what. We all jump back on the bus and now we're back on the road. So we might have been driving an hour or two. And at one point I'm like, yo, fucking who's got the weed? And Asori's like, oh, yeah, Fletcher's got the weed. And I'm like, okay. And, like, we're sitting in the general lounge area. And I'm like, oh, I'm thinking Christian might be in the bedroom of the motorhome. So I walk back there, and Christian's not back there. So I look out the back window of the motorhome to see the U-Haul, to, you know, that's tailing us. And I look, and Christian ain't in the fucking U-Haul either. Like, he's not driving. He's not riding shotgun. 
So I come back up front. I'm like, hey, Jonathan, yo, dude, I don't know where Christian is. <laughs> and he's like, wait, what? And I'm like, dude, Christian ain't in the U-Haul and he's not in the fucking bus. And by the way, he's got the fucking weed. <laughs> And so we pull over, and so, of course, we'd, like, stop, and the U-Haul stops, and we're, like, you know, like, making sure that we didn't lock him in the back of the trailer. And sure enough, fuck, we left him in Georgia. That is fucking crazy. So at that, yeah, we were probably two hours. Oh, my God. So at that point, we call Dan at sunrise, and we're like, yo, dude, we got to go back. We're going to be late. And he's like, wait, where are you guys? And so we described where we left Christian, and he was like, yo, that's not a good place get him immediately. Wow. And mind you, Christian at that time had like probably purple hair, white, you know, bleach blonde yeah. hair. Yeah, he like, stuck out. Like, he, oh, dude, no, it, like it was pre like tattoos Aaron on his face nose. shit. But yeah, but he was like well ahead of his time in terms of his look. All right. Mm-hmm. And so Dan's like, yo, that's not a good place for him. Get him immediately. We'll see you when we get here. So being the semi-responsible person and I wasn't asked for the company guy, Jonathan was like, Yo, dude, you take the U-Haul, we'll keep going, catch us, right? And I'm like, okay, fair enough. So I flip a U, drive two hours back to the gas station in Georgia, and I pull up, and Christian is like laying on the fucking curb, halfway, I can remember this so clearly, he's laying on the curb with his feet on the fucking asphalt, laying on his back on the kind of curb concrete, with no shirt on, (laughs) shorts, 40, Oakley, like terribly over-the-top Oakley blades, Bleach blonde hair, and he's just laid out. And I'm like, yo, jackass. I think we were calling him Dum Dum. It was was our cute pet name for him. Hey, Dum Dum, get in the fucking van. <laughs> dude, he climbed in the van, did not talk to me for fucking the whole drive, right? So, and and I was like, dude, it's kind of funny. You know, like, this is rad. This is, like, this is, and this is before, like, almost famous and all this shit. This is real fucking life shit. Right? <laughs> so we get, so, so Where was I, he when you guys bounced? What do you? He was in the store store still. We just all like, okay, we're fucking done. Come on, tell me that that hasn't happened. Like, I'm sure somebody who's listening, it's happened, okay? Like, this is not an uncommon fucking thing to have happened. Yeah. So anyways, so (laughs) I I never caught the tour bus, but we got there right around the same time the tour bus did. And we pull into Sunrise, and motherfucker, there's like 2,000 fucking people there. And there's fucking Freedom Riders on fucking bikes and fucking kids freaked out to see Hosoi and fucking Fletcher. And I mean, it's like fucking real. Like, yeah, I'm wow. like, I got like goosebumps, you know, like or butterflies. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. And we at that point, we might have played six, eight times. Okay. Like literally, and that includes practices. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, oh, fuck. And so and we you're set. You're the lead singer? Yeah, and I was the lead singer. <laughs> And so, so we, we were, the band shit we set up on top of like a flatbed. And then again, I think they had a mini ramp and they had some quarter pipes or something. But anyways, in fucking typical fashion, Hosoi fucking kills everything. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying our band was good, but it was pretty fucking good. Yeah. yeah. And we fucking rocked, right? That's insane. And people felt it, right? And so, so we fucking blew the thing out. And Dan, to this day, I'm certain if, 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 who knows if Dan actually listens to your fucking podcast. But the point being is, I know whenever I've seen Dan now for the 20, 30 years I've been doing Surf Expo, he always brings that up. Because it was all fucking time. Well, all-star crew. Oh, and, dude. And, and, so what did you play? So what do you mean what I play? I was a singer, man. I was no, a no, punk no, man. Like, 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 what, I, so I was announcing what Christian. genre? Punk. It was kind of punk, punk yeah. kind of punk thrash Rock. metal, yeah, yeah. and which came at a rad time because, again, at that point, it was a little bit more metal was the kind of common genre. Sure. And a lot of people were really stoked because, because man, my, my, I grew up going to Cuckoo's Nest shows. Like, my first show was in, fuck, probably 80, 
my first show was Black, or not Black Flag, sorry. It was X and DOA at the Starwood, at the Starwood. Like I grew up uh, as a punker. Like I shaved my head in 70, uh, 80 and lost friends over it. I was punk, you know yeah. what I mean? And so, then the Cuckoo's Nest shows that followed, like, man, I didn't miss a show. So you, you know, Black Flag was my band. Did you, know? you play cover songs or did you? No, we had all originals. Shut we the played, fuck up. We played no covers. Um, it'd be fun to dig that shit up because I have all the, I have, no, you know what? Herbie ended up with the Masters in that band. I was in another band afterwards. But the point being is, um, okay. Dude, so you got, did you ever make it into the... Okay, so, so okay, deck? we got we to keep on... Yeah, well, okay. I'll, I'll, okay, so I got to pay this off now because it's a perfect question. <laughs> so we end up doing this tour. We um, fuck shit up the whole way up the oh, coast. All the way we to played, Maine. I think we ended up playing like 15 shows in 13 days. All the way up to uh, All the way up to... We Rhode actually Island. did touch Maine, but we ended up to Rhode Island and Providence. Which was rad at the time. Water boys. Um, we stayed. We fucking pulled into Sid's fucking spot. We stayed with fucking Sid, and uh, Water Bros. And the pack dude, who's my hero. Okay, <laughs> what up, Sid? And um, and um, we pull into town, and um, and we did two shows. We did one in a club there, and then we did one. I can't remember the name of the skate park at the time, but it was in this old. Um, Fuck skater at no. Um, anyways, it was this old fucking decrepit rad like train terminal in downtown Providence, and it was like a catacomb. It was so fucking sick, right? And it was Fred Smith's Park. Who again? I knew Freddie a little bit from skating with for Alva for a brief period, and Fred was the loud one. He was fucking the raddest dude, like dreads you for Alva. I, Briefly, okay. I got decks from them. I can't, I can't say I can't say I wrote for Alva, except that I knew Tuye and I knew all, Dave Duncan. I knew all those guys, and so I got boards, you know, whatever. But I knew Freddie from from skating around, and it happened to be kind of his. What the fuck was that? I mean, dude? That, anyways, so Freddie was also a burgeoning tattoo artist at that time. So I got he I got a tattoo from him on that trip, and Holy crap. and um and anyways where. Uh, on my leg, like it's like a power symbol, fucking like it looks like a low pressure system or something on my calf. But anyways, um, which I'm really fucking proud of to this day. And um, memories. And um, anyways, so we do this whole tour. We end up at Sid's, and and everybody was super receptive because it's like, yeah, you guys are kind of bringing this punk thing back, and that was what I was all about. Ray was always a little bit more thrashy metal, okay, ripping fucking guitarist, okay. Christian kind of was. Figuring out the bass along the way, which I loved, and Nathan was an okay yeah. rhythm guitarist, and and Ray and Rick Rock was an incredible drummer. So we had a good between. We had a good good little fucking thing. Anyway, so we did that tour, and people were pretty receptive of it. We did a few of the ASR parties and all that shit. So at one point, Herbie gets us a gig at the at Cabo Wabo, at the greatest surf contest that there ever was, according to Sam Zippers? and Matt Joyce, the Cabo Classic. Yeah. Fuck. So we go to the fucking Cabo Classic. That only happened once. Yeah, it was one time. Uh, well, okay. That so, thing too, right? so I okay. I had a heat. Christian one of doing my the, the method. Hold on. Like, we, over the rocket yeah. zippers. I I wasn't in that heat, but I was on the beach for that. Oh, okay. Shit. So, but one of my heats was me, Kelly, Sean Palmer, and I can't remember who it was. A four man heat, but it was me, Kelly, and Sean Palmer, and I was like, this. This, and Sean could barely get to his feet, okay? Yeah. But they just threw him in because it was fucking Cabo Classic. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're surfing. You're going Dude, down there surfing. And, and it, but again, some people will say that was the greatest surf contest ever because it wasn't a surf contest. It was a fucking rock and roll festival Ew. fuck around. Yeah. So we played on the beach at Zippers one night, and then we played Cabo Wabo one of the nights, 
and we um it was, was it was there? bloodshot it, no i love sammy though he's a fucking <laughs> rad guy dude he's a fucking cool guy but it was it was bloodshot kicks if you remember that band k-i-x yeah. kicks yeah. terrible yeah. fucking band yeah terrible and allison chains all right allison chains wow. yeah. yeah so in cabo yeah dude all time so you guys those three brands we we back, fucking back to back so ah. we we opened kicks played second allison chains played third and so so <laughs> so this is so so we gold. go so we go so herbie's like hey gt man we're gonna bring the band down we'll take care of everything I literally think I slept on the beach for three nights and ate maybe a bean burrito <laughs> over the five or six yeah. days we were there. Like, I'm like, oh, so much for that fucking taking care of a shit, Herb. And he's yeah. like, oh, sorry. And meanwhile, they're staying at the Palmia, you know, like all inclusive. <laughs> and I'm literally sleeping under the stage at, at Zippers, which By quite your frankly- own, your own choice? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Because I didn't oh, give a fuck. Yeah. I, we were just were having, dude, we're on a fucking rock shit. Like, oh dude, no. And, and, and there was a lot of shit. There was a lot of shit that some people may remember that came from that. Trigger gum on a shit on Fat Matt's chest. And it was all time. Like, he passed down the beach. Trigger gum, shit on Matt's chest. Woke up the next morning. He had this big fucking, we call it the sea cucumber. And uh, somebody got a photo of it. It printed in a mag. Holy Fat Matt tried to sue me because I was running the mag at that point. Called Plow. And it was just a real funny fucking thing. Wow. And, oh my and, God. and so. That's so, what happens when you pass out. So anyways, so we go, Jeez. we play fucking on the stage at the surf contest and people are fucking feeling it, right? Like, I'm like, fuck, man. Yeah. We can fucking, we're like, we're kind of on the edge of something. Yeah, like this is fucking we're rad. Yeah. So we play Cabo Wabo. And so it's funny because this was our first real proper venue. Like, I mean, if you've been there, it's a proper fucking venue, right? Yeah. And so, so we opened, like I said, and Kicks played second. So, so we played. And I was already a little hammered when we played. And so by the time kicks came on, we went to the green room. And at that point, it was on. Like, I was fucking out of my mind. And um, the Alice in Chains guy, we, guys, we shared the same space with them. So I'm hammered. I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. like at one point, Lane Staley, the lead singer of Alice in Chains, was like kind of bummed because I was probably a little too aggressive. <laughs> throwing food and just being a fucking idiot. Yeah. And he was bumped. <laughs> and I was like, fuck you, Rockstar. Okay. And true story. Yeah. Which fuck I probably you, regretted, uh, which I probably regretted down the road. But then the next day when we were flying out of the airport, okay, they were on the same flight. Here we're sitting in the airport waiting for our fucking plane to fly, and here comes Lane Staley in like a leather trench coat in Cabo. <laughs> And he sees me and I see him. I'm like, fuck yeah, rock star. Just let him have it. Right. And, but it was, a, and again, it was never mean spirited. I thought Alice in Chains was incredible. Okay? Yeah, like Jerry Cantrell is the fucking prolific guitarist. I love their shit. Yeah, I love their shit. You're just, just, you're just but, poking fun. Because but it was funny. Yeah. And it was kind of that, <laughs> that song, uh, Man yeah. in the Box time. Yeah. Break. And so, so anyways. So yeah, we, yeah. so, which I love that shit. Okay, so anyways. This picture is trench coat and combo. Dude, yeah. black leather, yeah. all black, black leather. And again, Christian Nathan, back me up on this one, man. Like, you guys are in I tell no lots of torn t-shirt and like a short you haven't changed in four days. Yeah, and I probably still had shit on my chest too. So anyways, so to kind of cap off the bloodshot thing, because you asked me about where we in Wave Warriors. Okay, so fast forward to one point, Herbie through his connections, gets us to record at A&M, okay? Like Tom Annuncio, who, if anybody knows music circles, Tom Annuncio was kind of the fucking guy. Yeah. Okay, maybe I got the name wrong, but anyways, this is a fucking figurehead at goddamn fucking A&M that Herbie, through his shit, 
like, oh, yeah, we'll take it on. Let's see what it is. So we go and record uh, maybe six, eight tracks. Wow. And it sounded pretty fucking good. Like, to this day, I was kind of proud of it, you yeah. know? Who wrote and the songs? I wrote all the songs. Ray did most of the music, yeah. okay? So all the lyrics were that mine. Is, and it, we and gotta it, and fucking find music. On. And it hooks, and it, okay, so remember, I wrote the lyrics, they wrote the melodies, okay? Yeah. Just remember this, okay? So anyways, because it pays it off. So anyways, <laughs> so we record all this shit, and it's kind of fucking sounding good, and they seem to like it, and Herbie's thinking we're going to be guns and fucking roses, right? <laughs> and so so anyways, shortly after that, we played the Happy Bash, which was this annual skateboard pool party. Um, the one dude, Jamie, who was one of the founders of SMP, had every year, and it was super sick. And this bowl was fucking amazing, right? And so we went down to play the Happy Bash. I still got San the fucking, Diego? Yeah, yeah, I still got the T-shirt. Fucking killer, right? And so, so... We go to this fucking show, and again, we set up on the side of the fucking ramp, and we're playing, and everybody's skating, and it's fucking on. And at one point, um, I think Christian might have broke his bass string or something, which never fucking happens, right? And so anyways, so Christian bass the bass string, so he just puts down his bass, grabs his skateboard, and he starts skating. We're still fucking rocking, yeah. which I fucking was all for. I'm like, this is seamless. Don't fucking stop. We're going, right? Yeah. Yeah, Which we lost a member, no, but he's going to And Christian skate. fucking rips on a skateboard. So meanwhile, our band member's fucking out skating half the fucking pros. And, you guys are still and we're fucking rocking. I love it. So after the show, I was talking to somebody who admired what we did. And they're like, oh, dude, that's super rad. Yeah, and that Christian, man, you know, he skateboards super rad. And I'm like, fuck yeah. Christian is our fucking Sid Vicious, man. Yeah. He doesn't really play bass that well. But I don't care. Like yeah. he's got like, the look. Like, he dude, rips. he's the fucking yeah. dude. And and again, okay. I'm like this. Is per like it was. I was paying him an ultimate cup for me to call Christian Fletcher Sid Vicious, who was one of my heroes. Yeah, I, I was it's like paying him a compliment. I'm it's like he can't really play, but he's kind of our Sid Vicious, yeah. similar to what Sid was to yeah. Sex Pistols, maybe. Well, anyways, Christian overheard that. So Christian comes up to me and took offense to me saying no. that he's not a very good bass player. So Christian. Christian's like, what the fuck, man? You fucking, I fucking come, you fucking can't play the bass, dude. And I looked at him and I'm like, fuck you, dude. And again, I was probably a little drunk and I'm like, fuck you, dude. And me and Christian were fucking mates and we're mates to this day. Yeah. But not that night. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I was probably drunk, so I'm like, fuck you, Christian. I fucking called you Sid Vicious, you fucking asshole. Like, yeah. like dude, I couldn't have paid you a bigger compliment. Yeah. Oh, fuck, man. I fucking play bass fucking better than you can. Fucking <laughs> so he gets all fucking pissed off and goes home separate because we all drove down together as the band. So we're driving home, and Christian and Nathan, as brothers probably do, yeah. sometimes didn't see eye to eye and shit, uh, okay? Yeah. And so Nathan was the first to bring it up, like, fuck Christian, we need to kick him out of the band. Oh, shit. And I think I was driving, and I was like, no. Yeah. Christian fuck is him. our biggest fucking draw, okay? As a surfer, as a personality, and fuck, yeah. man, like he, it, it's perfect compliment to what we're fucking doing. Yeah. Like, like yeah. what the fuck are you talking about? We're not kicking Christian. Yeah, you're on bad characters. Authentic but, as you can get with right. like and that, so, that rawness. So, so at that point, it might have been kind of a 50-50 ball on whether people were going to kick Christian out of the band or not. But I can assure you that that was not my vote. I was yeah. like, fuck no. Yeah. yeah. It's one fight. Who fucking cares? I didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Like, I was probably half sober at that point. I'm like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'll see, I'll see Christian guy, tomorrow. I'll, little, I'll drive up his legs. Like, I, fucking right. No, off. right. He went to go skate and you guys still crushed it. It was he the best shit ever. The, best uh, shit ever. Big brother, whatever. Best shit ever. So, anyways, so the next, that was probably like, I'd say maybe it was a Friday or a Saturday because we were going to practice the next day at Astro Deck. 
And so that morning before practice, <laughs> Herbie calls me and he's like, yeah, hey, GT, uh, yeah, um, you know, I talked to the band this morning and they're a little bit bummed about last night and um, we're going to, uh, they decided to kick you out of the band. You got kicked out? And I'm like. They got numbers on you. And I'm like, wait one fucking moment, Herbie. I'm like, what do you mean they're going to kick me? Oh, I do. I got to say one thing about when Christian and I were arguing. I did call him a mama's boy, okay, <laughs> which plays into it. I'm like, you fucking mama's boy, fuck you, man. Fucking Sid Vicious, you fucking asshole. You don't fucking know what you, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I called him a mama's boy. It was probably the heaviest word I said in that argument. Yeah, wow. GT, we're going to kick you out of the band. We talked, and the band voted you out. And I'm like, first of all, Herbie, fuck you. <laughs> and I'm working for Astrodex still at that yeah. point. I'm like, first of all, Herbie, fuck you. I was the one last night when they wanted to kick Christian out. I was the one saying, fuck no, we're yeah. not kicking him out. Yeah. So however that spun, now they're kicking me out, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I don't believe it. Yeah, that's freaking crazy. And so so anyway, so I said, okay, Herbie, fair enough. I hope this doesn't change our fucking business, but you owe me about 20 fucking grand right now, motherfucker. So let's just make sure we keep that separate, all right? Secondarily, I wrote all the fucking songs. Yeah. You can't use any of my fucking lyrics. And that's literally what I said. Yeah. So at that point, they hired some other fucking dude, like some other San Clemente guy. Just like that. They had some other dude. He kind of wrote their his lyrics to my melodies, and they re-recorded it. And so one of the Bloodshot songs with the other singer ended up in Wave Warriors or one of his Cabo. Wow. And so anyways, and no disrespect to the other dude who jumped in. My shit was way better. And I'm certain that Christian and Ray and all of them would have said the same thing. And um, because the funny thing is, I wasn't a good singer. I'm a fucking screamer. You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but the point being is, as a front man, like MC, like, you know, you guys have been around my shit. Like, hey, man, it's half comedy, half music, it's, half it's like goofiness. And again, if, if Christian was always skating, I could call all the moves. Like, I know Christian implicitly. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, man, nobody was more natural at that than me. Are and I don't mean that me? in a shitty way or an arrogant way. It just was natural. I, yeah. I, I can just picture, like, you guys playing and actually having a freaking mini pipe or some state, yep. like the stage into like a, a mini ramp. Say yeah. it right, Jeff. Right. And then fucking. <laughs> say it oh, right, Jeff. Yeah. Ripping. Yeah. yeah. It was so Wait, much fun. Think of, and oh, that could have been so much And subsequently. Second. Wait a second. Yeah. So subsequently I did some other bands, but the bottom line is, so they, they recorded over my vocal tracks or they re-recorded all the songs yeah. with yeah. different vocals. And, um, did and, you try to like fix nope, it? Nope. Never, you never reapproach it. They, because they, honestly, that's kind of, surprising to me that it went so fast like that like there's no talking about no the train was fucking rolling and like i said a m had some fucking interest in it so they were like oh fuck man this is this is Can't you know one it. of herbie's fucking media plays and i don't how, blame how them did you guys not but, fix it like you know i was stubborn and i was butthurt and they were probably and i'm sure if nathan if he even remembers half the shit we're talking about today i bet you nathan would have sided with me personally and probably ray i could be wrong because it was better. Like, because, yeah. and, and people who saw it, you know, I never went to one of their fucking shows. Fuck that. Fuck, they're dead to me at that point. I was still homies. Hey, I was still homies. Like, again, in the previous episode, uh, hey, man, Nathan and I were still homies where he was like, GT, you told me in on one of these things. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. You know? <laughs> and, and funny enough, because I would, I, after that code red swell, on the way out of Chopu, again, similar to, like, Nathan, what the fuck are you doing here on the channel of Chopu? How the fuck do you show up? Like, similarly, when I was flying out of Ch Tahiti that trip, I was, like, taking a piss, and there's Nathan sitting by himself, 
like over in some fucking I'm like Nathan what the fuck are you doing here like yeah. just Nathan so Nathan and I have always been cool and I'm really proud of that and and to this day I see Christian all you know occasionally and we're still buddies and yeah. there was just a short term stupid little thing yeah. but but anybody who saw the band after I kicked out maybe they were being nice to me but they were always like dude it was better yeah you. Oh, of course and um and so I was proud just... of that and that does not take away from the dude who jumped in after me I don't want to talk shit on him because hey man I would hey put it this way if that guy got kicked out and they called me up I would have taken the gig yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. you yeah. know like no brainer yeah, that line for sure. yeah. yeah it was a no so, brainer so did you so, keep working for Astrodeck? yeah so I stayed okay. with Astrodeck for a period um and from that I again I was I was snowboarding and surfing for gotcha at the time I got gotcha snow off of that so I was doing gotcha snow and um, and I was riding for. Wait, can we talk about that? Yeah. Like, and the snow industry was just snow starting. at that point. Snow, I might have started sub repping for Moro at that time frame. But the point being is, you got to remember at that time, especially in SoCal retail, every fucking mom and pa stop shop started selling snowboards. Yeah. Okay, yeah. like it, it didn't require like oh you got to have a winter stagger in the uh-huh. back. Okay, any fucking goofball that had a fucking light on yeah. was selling snow. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I wanted to talk about is, okay, you were making pretty good money with Astrodeck, right? Yeah, I mean, fuck, I pay my rent. I, my, my overheads were like 300 bucks a month, yeah. right? So And and, the snow- and I had per diems coming in from my snow sponsorship and my yeah. surf sponsor. I had money coming in, clipping tickets at fucking Mountain High parking lot, yeah. whatever. You're like, yeah. I was just so you're, hustling. You you're, know? you're young and enterprising yep. and you're, you're yeah, trying I was just to hustling. decent coin. Yeah, right? again, my whole thing that I have to reinforce here is it was always about selling a dime bag to smoke a dime bag. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to fuck around, okay? Yeah, yeah. And I knew I would well, never yeah, be a yeah. rock star. I just wanted to fucking live like one. Yeah. I don't want to work. And you were. Yeah, you, you were a rock star. You want to keep the party rolling. Let's fucking this go. Is, yeah, wait, wait, is... wait. I'm going to go to Wolf fucking Creek, Colorado? Fuck yeah, I'm going. You know, okay. like... So, so like, go back okay. to... You're doing snow. You're yep, doing so I, got, I had Gotcha and Astrodeck at that point. I can't remember. I might have been riding briefly at that point for Oakley, but it should be said, as I segue into some other shit here, that I was always an eyewear guy. I stole my dad's Ray-Ban aviators when I was fucking 10 because that's what Jay Adams or Tony Alva wore. Yeah. And I never looked back. So I was a sunglass guy. I was two things. I was a sunglass guy and I always wore two different color socks, one inside out. I was just fucking, that was part of my rock outfit, right? Yeah. So so sunglasses were always my thing. And so at that point, um, you know, fast forward a little bit quicker, um, that's when around the time that Arnett started. Yeah. And again, I was homies with those guys. And I originally got Chris Burke, who was the marketer there. Big B, who was a total homie of mine from surfing and shit, was the marketing dude. He got me on the team. And from there, to, he, just, he, to, just to, I was a sponsored. I was kind of a sponsored athlete. And again, it was probably flow at that point. And but I believed. And I knew Greg Arnett. He he surfed Salt Creek, so I knew Greg from his Oakley experience. And I really liked the, the product. Yeah. And so, and that was everything I ever did was one thing to be sure. And any of my brand experience, anything I've ever done, it always started and stopped with the belief in the product. And and that again, uh, at the point where where I was riding for Sims, okay, and Moro was like, hey, half the people from Sims left Moro or left to start Moro. They called me like, hey, we want you to ride for Moro. Um, um, uh, we want to sort you out. And at that time, let's say I was getting five sim snowboards a year. I'm like, great. Well, what's the deal? And they're like, well, your force board's going to be $170. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, wait, you guys know you're giving me free snowboards from Sims. And by the way, it's fucking Sims, right? Yeah. And I'm like, but I'd become friends with Rob Morrow. So I was like, I was like, yo, fuck it, 170 bucks. 
fuck, that's two lift tickets at the fucking Mountain yeah. High parking lot. Or maybe it was four. But I was like, so fuck it. Back. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I quit selling weed. I'd done my time. I was done with that. All right. So anyways. But he was a, yeah, I mean, so, he had So I'm like, good. fuck it. I'm like, send me a board. Yeah. So I fucking mount the board up. And at this time, these were boards that didn't come with inserts. You had to fucking, like, it was kind of an interesting time of snowboarding. But I get this fucking board. I mount out the fucking bindings. I go ride fucking Snow Summit, which at that time, I like, you know, at that time, kind of me, Pat Allen, there was a kind of an early generation of people. We own that fucking spot. I got on that fucking board and I was like, fucking game changer. Wow. So I called them and I'm like, side cut, flex, the whole fucking bit, it worked. I'm like, fuck it. Yeah. See you later, Sims. And of course, I graciously called them and let them know I was making a change but of direction. Like, I'm but I'm sold. like, these boards are so much better. I, as a pro, I got to ride the best shit. Boom, that's what I did. And that started my relationship with Moro, which ended up very lucrative and successful for me. But it was a brand I wholly believed in. Yeah. I knew the founders. Rob Moro was my homie. Foosball, Mel Baker, if you guys remember that part of it. Yeah. And and I worked for them for six, eight years, and I totally believed in it. And um, and every line I picked up along the way, that's always where it started and stopped. Again, I believed in Astrodeck, same way I believed in Gotcha, yeah. the same way I believed in Moro. Um, and so when Arnett came around, I'm like, these fucking shades are rad. And, and I was never a kind of a jock. I was always fucking like, I was always, I'd like to think I was always more of a pirate and Oakley's kind of were more jockey shit. And I, sure. I was a pirate. Yeah. And so, so I, I Arnett was like, well, okay. So such... I probably got the territory. So at the time, a guy named Mike uh, Gilligan, Gilly, he had the whole territory from San Diego. He was a San Diego based guy and had it all the way to LA. And He's the business, rusty too? Uh, yeah, I think Gilly yeah. was rusty and rad fucking dude. Yeah. yeah. A grand poobah and yeah. that shit. So at one point, but the he business didn't fit. Within six months, no, well, with, within six months, brand was the brand, brand was kind of blowing up. Yeah. So they're like, GT, you want Orange County? I'm like, boom, done. <laughs> Dang. And this is probably around the time we first met, Lyndon. Yeah. So, yeah. so at that point, I got Arnett and we probably had two, three styles. Um, it might have been the Black Dog. I don't even think the Raven right. was out yet. But, but the Raven, I came in right when the Raven broke. Was and, it 50-50? Was there a shade mm -hmm. called... No, well, the 50 was ours. Okay. Von Zipper did the 50. Okay, okay. That was our first. Yeah, Thank yeah, you for yeah. remembering that. Yeah. I could go grab you a pair if you want. <laughs> Actually, and it's funny because, fuck, that shit's all come around. I saw some shade come out from, like, Chanel recently. I'm like, fuck, that's our, they, they fucking hit our 50 from fucking, you know, 1999. It's kind of funny. Yeah, Anyways, you might see that coming out soon, guys. Anyway, so so at that point, I get Orange County for, for Arnett. Arnett. And everybody first. loved me because I was already selling them shit that they were really successful with. So I come in with Arnett, and one week, Jack, you know, I go to Jack's and I sell them fucking eight pairs. Then I go across the street to Huntington and sell them eight pairs. Come back the next week, they're like, oh, fuck, man, make that 20. 20 turned into 40. 40 turned into 60. I mean, it just happened yeah. fucking, it was like Dang. that. And by the way, it happened with everybody. Yeah. And as a rep, similar to Snow, and Jay, you know this, Elsie, that, that as a rep, when you, when you jump on a fucking unit, when you fucking find a unicorn, you don't ask questions. You jump on that motherfucker and ride, yeah, okay? Yeah. And I happen to have that both with Moro and with Arnett. Yeah. And it was a perfect compliment in that time because, because again, and at that point, Azurdek might have faded away. It was never uncool. Um, so that faded out. And so then my focus was Arnett year-round, and then Moro during the winter, which, again, we came out with a goggle, worked right into my snow business, pre-booked. I mean, and, and fuck, man, we did really well. And the price point, you know, you're wow. like, dude, every unit you sold is freaking... The Ravens. Yeah. Okay. Hotcakes. Oh, well, Hotcake was my frame. Just to, on the, For the record, Hotcake was a frame I brought to the table. 
Um, it literally was a thrift store frame that I wore through the Bloodshot tour and then brought that to Greg saying, do do this frame. Yeah. And it never sold that well, but it was a bitchin' frame. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It the wasn't. Japanese loved that okay. frame. Okay. Hot <laughs> Okay. But, but, and Japanese like snowboards too. But anyways, so with that said, we had, once the Raven hit, that thing fucking went bonkers. And shortly thereafter, they had a couple other things in the pipeline. And I remember I was one of the few people that kind of, that, I mean, I was tip of the spear. And nobody was, what made me good as a rep at that time, it's kind of fucking a milk route, man. I was in this, and Lyndon, I know you can attest to this. And I think I raised the game for everybody in our space that, that nobody's in the shops more than I was, okay? Like yeah. I was, in, hey man, I would go into Huntington Service Port and Jack's on Monday and I would be there on Friday to remerch it to them be back there on Monday. Like I fucking was on it, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you with the eyewear, all, all you do, it's count and fill. Yeah, man, you you're chasing cycles. It's not like a pair of words like, oh, we're gonna pre-blood seven months out and then it's gonna show and we don't fucking chase. My business was all at once. And then as a compliment, the snow thing was bitching because you work Seasonal. really fucking hard around the trade show, January trade show times. Then you worked really fucking hard in October to clinic. And then for the large part, it was a really perfect balance for yeah. me in that in that in that business. Yeah. So I had a kill account and fill business, and then I had a good hard goods business that I wholly believed in. So we blew, we blew the fucking back out of our net in a very good way. I still bleed our net. That 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 is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Yeah. Similar to how much I be believed in Moro. It was just fucking rad. Good and timing. Good, the good, timing good, was perfect. The, the market was rad. Yeah. The people were bitching. Everybody believed. We all fucking knew it. And and as much as Oakley tried to suicide out of business and Black Flies called us fucking names, we just did our thing. Yeah. And and people fucking bought it. Arnett was the number one sunglass line. There was for, nothing that touched it. Yeah. Head and shoulders. Yeah. Oakley tried to steam me away as, purely as a fucking move to try and fuck with their business. Yeah. That's... And and I and, and it's funny because Oakley tried to steal me at a point where I was probably making five hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And they offered me like one hundred fifty grand, and I turned it down because I believed in Arnett. Damn. And, 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 but and the thing Man, was, a principle over no, here. No, but but I believed in it. Yeah. yeah. And and at the same time, um, I was like when I told the Arnett guys, hey, by the way, Oakley interviewed me, and I remember it clearly as day. It was the day the fucking Laguna caught on fire. Um, that that. I went back in the next day and told Greg and Craig Lark, the, the two primaries behind Arnett. And I said, hey, by the way, Oakley, um, you know, Oakley fucking tried to steal me, but I'm fucking staying. And, and Craig was like, Craig or Lark was like, oh, my God, you have the vision. And I was like, yeah, because I know someday where I'm going to make 150 grand off your fucking asses. Yeah. And we're going to do it together and we're going to do it in our way. Yeah. And we did. And it was fucking rad. Yeah. And, and and it took me a while. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I had a fucking, you know, I had an infant at that point. I could have used the money. Okay. Yeah. For sure. But I just believed in it. And so so from there, the Arnett thing fucking went bonkers. And then from there, um, um, I was in Huntington Surf Sport one day. And there was two Australian dudes looking at the shoe wall. And I, you know, and I, I would make a conversation with anybody who walked yeah. in, whether they wanted to buy sunglasses, whether it was your cute chick behind the counter or, or just anybody. But the Australians were looking at the shoe wall and I kind of said, oh, hey, what's up? Or whatever. We started striking a conversation. And it turned out that it was Matt Hill and Gary Valentine from Starting oh. Globe. And so Globe shoes at that so time. So you had, met them at HSS? Uh, Hand on heart. How wow. Is, how's that just like, just talk shop? Hey, you got a weird accent. Oh, you're from Australia? Cool. Yeah. Like, and and again, the, I heard... Put another ship on the bobby. <laughs> right. And, and, and mind you, sausages. mind you, mind you, that 
A, I probably heard their Australian accent, and that's what made me say, hey, where are you guys from? What are you doing? Like, you know, because yeah, I, no I fucking love Australia. No, not a fucking iota. And it should, mind you, uh, just to cap off one thing about Arnett, one thing that I was really proud of is that Greg really trusted me because nobody's on the road more than me. And so my feedback, there's nobody more tip of the spear than I was at that time, yeah. both in terms of both in terms of being in the field, but also, man, I was as active a participant as anybody. And, you know, at that time, I had a really you, good friend. You were a valuable asset. I was a marketer as much as a sales rep, as yeah. much as a, a because When you say tip of yeah. the spear, that is yeah. so... And so what was rad, yeah. what was rad was um, Greg let me in the back room, which nobody really went into, so I could see their designs and process. And so one of them that was kind of pretty rough at that point, we were talking about bringing something forward and me being ADD guy, I saw this other kind of thing that was pretty rough and I'm like, stop the fucking presses. That's the one that's got to come first. Get that one. And that happened to be the catfish, which oh, if yeah. you remember the catfish, that fucking, as much as whatever the Raven did, that catfish fucking blew it all out. Yeah. To this day, we use the same supplier um, that made the Arnett frames when they sold, they lost, you know, they lost all their business that my Italian people that I work with that Luxottica bought it and took the business away from our Italian, our Italian family. Can I, can I pay homage to one of the fallen people that probably who, uh, Doug butcher industrial. Oh, right. I, okay. Now here's the thing. So I so always hold knew on, hold on. Let, right. Let me, let me, catfish, right? Yep. Yeah. White catfish. White catfish. Um, <laughs> the Tom green Winchell, metal flecker. Tom Winchell was your counterpart. Because yep. yeah. Winch, Winch would have handled industrial. Yeah. 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 So, so the reason why I'm bringing it up is Doug Butcher used to say, oh, that's poo cat. That's poo cat. And what he meant by that is it's, it's a fucking home run because it's, it's the poo. Poo cat, the catfish, the white catfish that. Yeah. That's that's how, that's what he equated good product to. Oh, yeah, it was cat. it was the poo, right? <laughs> and so, so but it's funny because Rest I peace, I never yeah. right. And here's the thing: with that being said, industrial was never my account because it was AZ, yeah. and and mm -hmm. that was my I wasn't in my territory. But I was always very familiar with the industrial. Um, but Tom but, sold probably the most white frames out of anybody. Oh my God. I I don't know. I could <laughs> sold a fair fucking few pairs. Or or fuck, I don't know. Nordstrom sure sold a few. <laughs> oh, Chicks sure sold a few. Anyways, but the point being is we were printing fucking money. And so so I was really pleased though yeah. that Greg trusted me and we did rush the catfish and it became the biggest frame. And to this day, one of the suppliers that I still work with 30 years later from our net into Von Zipper he, we still talk about the catfish. He's like, and this is a this is a three generation Italian factory that he's like he's like, the catfish was the number one frame that they've ever produced. I think they produced at one point five hundred thousand of them or something fucking crazy. At one point they had like 10, 12 molds going at the same time. They could not keep up with the global wow, demand yeah, of that frame. Yeah. And to this day, his name's Andrew Bonato, Andrea Bonato. He still, if I saw him today. He would be like, oh, that catfish. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it's, we still laugh about it. Yeah. Because it was such a phenomenon. Yeah. But anyways, so so at that point, I meet the Globe dudes, Matt and Gary, at Honey and Servants Board. And they're That's like, so oh, yeah, crazy. mate, we're doing this. We're bringing the shoe brand to market called Globe. And and um, and I'm like, oh, really? And I wasn't doing shoes at that point. And that was at the shoe explosion, you know, like, like you know, um, that nice thing was happening. And, yeah, and Osiris hadn't happened yet, but oh, it was on that right edge. There, right yeah, there. but the D3 hadn't the D3. come yet, but it was right before the D3 time. And so, so, so at that point, like ES might not have been there yet, but anyways, the shoe thing was on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so, so I was like, oh yeah, well, hey man, you know, I'm kind, of, you know, I'm 
Yeah, I'm a I sales do this rep. thing. Yeah, I, you know, let's talk. Yeah. So I ended up really, Gary Valentine and I became really close homies. So I went up and went with them and, and happy, we came to terms and, and I told him I'd help him establish a rep force and, and I'd spearhead it in Southern California. And, you know, all, you know, you know how it is, Jay, all, the, all your friends that are reps are like, hey, you're doing shoes? Fuck, okay, hey, man. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, because I just wanted a good sales meeting. So I'm like, yeah. fuck, dude. So I got all my fucking favorite <laughs> reps from every brand I've ever repped and assembled this fucking rad team, which took me about three phone calls and it was done, right? So I helped them assemble their fucking... Were they tripping when you said, hey, I got... Yeah, I got this. Guys are, but like, but but I also negotiated. That's why they, I negotiated some extra points because I brought a little bit more to the table. And um, and I mean, clearly, like truly, I happened to show up one day where the first container of shoes came in, and I helped Gary unload them out the back. And and like, but again, it was just another brand that I believed in. Those dudes, I believed in the shoes. Um, the, at start, their shoes were a little rough. Yeah. But then came the option. If you remember that fucking yeah. shoe. Fuck again. Containers. Oh fuck. Containers of that. And, and and the bitching thing about Globe is they were pretty aggressive. So they took an at once position where a lot of where a lot of shoe brands, um, you know, you pre book them and that's what you're getting. Mm. Globe had inventory. So man, I started selling those fucking options and it went bonkers. And they were looking for a signature skateboarder. And I was like, dude, Chet Thomas is the guy. I connected Chet with Globe. And again, I know Chet will back me up on this. We, we, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. We were laughing about it. We do Chet's shoe, fuck, as good as the option did, fucking Chet went bonkers. Then the Rodney Mullen shoe, blah, 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 blah. And it got to the point where, it got to the point where, um, hell, I was presenting the line for them at the sales meetings, and, and I was an integral part of their business, and, and, and truly was well reciprocated in money, and, and truly believed. So at that point, then my mix was Globe. Arnett and Morrow, and it was a perfect fucking mix. And um, so and you three, randomly met those fucking guys. One hundred percent. That 100%. is so mind blowing, and it's so mind blowing that you got you met, and then you are who you are, right? And you had the notoriety of being. They didn't know who the fuck I was I know, when I first you, introduced you, myself but to once, them. Once, once they found oh, out yo, who no. you are, and trust me, Gary, yeah. Gary Valentine would leave no stone unturned to yeah. back up anything I said. Trust me. He, whatever fact check he needed to do for me, <laughs> yeah. it was done. Okay? But what's but rad, though? You saw the opportunity. Like, yeah, I was like, I want shoes. Yeah. yeah. You, you, not only were you a, a hardworking hustler. Yeah, good. nobody was in the stores more than me. You um, are a well-known personality. Yeah, we're having fun. personality. Right, no. Aaron Pye would take my call. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But here's the thing. I earned it. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't take anything for granted in any aspect of my life. But uh, the bottom line is, I always did what I said I was going to do. And I and, and if I fucked up, I'd admit it and yeah. fucking fix it. Like, that's it's pretty simple shit. You show up, do what you say you're going to do, and fucking, dude, wear it if you fucking own it. Like, yeah. God damn it. Like, if I shit my pants, I'll tell you. Like, it's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, it's pretty simple shit, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? But the bitching thing was, my model... My, my eyewear and shoe model where yeah there was some pre-book but it was a lot of count and fill and I was good at it yeah. and then the pre-books for snow it was simple because it was a short mouthful and basically all my accounts trusted me I wrote all the orders yeah. and nobody and I never juiced anybody I didn't have to yeah. and because I, I'm like hey let's just start with 10 and 10 became 20 20 became 60 60 became but I would never try and over juice anybody yeah. because if it didn't work for them it was sure as fuck wasn't going to work for me right. you know yeah, you so don't want that coming back it's all partnership that, that, right. yeah, it's all partnership and, and again I'd be like do not buy this but you better buy that yeah, yeah. and if they were not going to buy it i'm like fuck you i'm writing it it's on me you know because and they yeah. it usually worked because yeah. i knew better well you talked about having passion for brands which is super important to be wanting to go to work and show up and be psyched you yeah. know and, and you got to make a paycheck it but, makes it easy but, 
But when you're selling to a distribution channel and relationships with all these shops, absolutely, you need to have you need to sell yourself because you yeah. never right. know what you're going to be selling them next year, or Homie, next season. Okay, could be another brand. And it's a perfect fucking segue. So at that time, now mind you, at that time, uh, this you know maybe from the last episode. God, if anybody listened to it, um, <laughs> at that same time, I was still kind of a touring athlete. I was I was hosting shows. Yeah. I was you know I had all that media shit going on at yeah. the same time, and the rep flexibility made it really awesome for me because I wasn't super, I wasn't accountable to show up to an office every day. Yeah. Yeah. But but the point being is, in spite of that, I still showed up more than everybody else. Like those guys fucking blew it. Like I fucking wedged everybody because like dude, I was there. They gave me the front spot at every fucking location I was in because nobody was there more than me and and everybody knew I was in it for them, you yeah. know? And, and it would only work for me if it worked for them. So it was super reciprocal, it was yeah. really easy. And then at the same time, a good buddy of mine was managing bands, one of which was the Beastie Boys, one of which was Nirvana. So I had all this access to these fucking rock shows, Lollapalooza, you fucking name it. So I was bringing fucking shoes and shades to all these shows and lacing them up on fucking rock stars. Like, hey man, fucking the cover fucking of Rolling Stone, fucking, I placed those shades on fucking Billy Corrigan's fucking bass player. Fucking Kurt Cobain in the hot cake, I fucking gave those to Kurt. Fucking the Beastie Boys and the Raven, that was me. But, but and here's the thing. I was doing it because I was just in, and it's like, yeah. fuck, let's go. Where are we going? I just want to fuck around and party. Yeah. And by the way, it was kind of <laughs> cool because I ended up meeting Billy from the Smashing Pumpkins or fucking Kurt from Nirvana. Like, these were my fucking favorite bands anyway. Yeah. So, like, okay. Yeah. Like, what, like a, what a perfect, like, combo to be able to, like, throw swag out to hang out yeah. with your, your, like, Dude. freaking well, heroes. Well, and that's the, and that's the, the importance I wanted to make is that you are lucky, but they are fucking lucky. Well, but the you point being I mean? is it was Those super brands were so lucky and, that they hey, found you. Right, well. Because you were connected. Well, if, put it this way, again, I sure as fuck was driven to make that 150 grand that Oakley offered me, but I was going to do it our way. Yeah. And by the way, it wasn't like I had to break a sweat to do it because I enjoyed every fucking second of yeah. it, right? Yeah. And so, so anyways, so through all that <laughs> shit, um, the business did get a little bit big. And so I, I, over the years, I had had a few sub reps yeah. along the way, and, and that all worked out pretty well. And so now we fast forward to Arnett. It got to the point where Arnett first sold to Bausch & Lomb, and then shortly thereafter, uh, Bausch & Lomb was acquired by Luxottica. And unfortunately, that transition from Bausch & Lomb to Luxottica, it really changed it overnight, and it really kind of killed the culture that was there. And it, and it was it was it's probably more sad than anything because that that was just a fucking buzzkill for the whole mm. fucking thing. So at that point, I'm like, this is fucking lame. We need to start our own thing. So so at uh, what year is this? This is well, okay. So 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 slight slight step back. So when Arnett got bought by Bausch & Lomb. Um, they installed their bean counter kind of CFO type. And the bean counter CFO type for Arnett at that time was Craig Lark, who Craig and Greg worked at Oakley, and they came over together and started Arnett together. So, so you know, however you want to put it, one was, the, one was the God, one was the devil. Every brand needs it, right? But Craig was kind of a really inspirational money guy. Yeah. And so Craig got kind of kicked out of Arnett when Bausch and Lomb bought it because they didn't need another bean counter. They have the, it's Bausch and Lomb money. Now get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. And so Craig, who I was really close with had always said, GT, if you come up with an idea for a brand, let's start one. And so, so at that point when Craig got kicked out, I was pretty bummed because I was like, that's a fucking bad play. Yeah. So I called Craig the day it happened. I'm like, Oh, remember that brand you're always talking about? I'm like, let's start one. So, this guy's the most optimistic dude you will ever meet. Okay. And so, so Craig, 
What are we doing? Where are we going? I get the money. What are we doing? You've been stewing on something for a while? Hence the realm. Okay, so we start the realm, which was the surf brand. Now, I was still selling Arnett. I was still selling Globe. I was still doing Moro. So we start this surf brand called the realm. And the whole thing... Well, okay, so Craig Lark was the money guy. But in that team was Mike Parsons, uh, Pat O'Connell. I'm trying to think. And then there were some operating partners. uh, Rob Reese, Jeff Reese. Um, we hired a designer. Dino Sicelio was our designer. Um, uh, Brett Savage was our merchandiser. Um, and so, so we start this brand realm. And at that time, again, this was probably 97, 96, 97. But at that time, mind you, skate was everything. Okay. Yeah. Surf was not that fucking rad. Don't get me wrong. Surfers were still surfers. No, but, but it goes through cycles. But skate yeah. was the driver of the fucking style in the market. So I was like, surf's a little fucking kind of low tide right now. Let's do a surf run for the sake of fucking surf and make it like, if we can do a Gore-Tex surf trunk, fuck man, let's, I, I, my vision was kind of of it, and we never got there, but my vision was let's make it Patagonia, but it's surf. You know yeah. what I mean? Surf for the sake of motherfucking surf, right? Yeah. And by the way, who's better than that than Mike Parsons? Who's better than that than Pat O'Connell? Oh, by the way, my best buddy at the time, Donovan Frankenrider, just got screwed out of free for about the 15th time. I'm like, Donnie, he was he was dating my fucking sister-in-law at that point. We were hanging out all the time. Anyways, I'm like, Donnie, you're riding for us. Donnie comes on board. Shortly thereafter, Kern fucking starts living in Dana Point. Like, dude, what are you fucking doing? He's all fucking weird. I'm like, Kern, you're on the fucking team. So all of a sudden, it's, so it's Snipsy, Pat, Donnie, Kern, and Adam Rapogel up north. And Rapogel and... and Repogel and Pat were on tour that year, and yeah. it just so happened that, that that year we launched, maybe it was the second year when we started gaining some momentum, Pat made top 10 on the tour that year. Like, we were on a fucking roll. Oh, and by the way, remember we talked about Salt Creek and the photos and all that shit? Well, by the way, who do you think owned Salt fucking Creek? We did. And who? And by the way, who shot all the photos? Larry Moore. And by the way, who got 15 fucking cover shots in the space of about 18 months because we had, between Donovan, Snipsy, Pat, and Curran, but you think, you know, yeah. and we fucking hit the ground running. We didn't know fuck all about making clothes, but we were into it <laughs> yeah. and we marketed it well. Yeah. And the name, the crew. The and vibe. it's funny. Who came up with the name? Me. So anyways, the realm was, was supposed inspiration? to be, the realm was supposed to be, okay. So the whole face of the realm, if you remember the logo, it's like, it's almost like my tattoo on my leg. It was like a, it was like a circle with yeah. three kind of wedges coming together. Yeah. And that was meant as the Indian Atlantic and Pacific coming together and the ocean was our realm. That's what it was. And it was real fucking complicated, right? But the logo was kind of cute and it cut, people took to it. Yeah. And again, we couldn't help but fucking, we had momentum with all that shit. And it's funny. So when we were, so current at that time, man, he's a rad guy. Yeah. I love him to death. And, and he was a fucking absolute enigma and everything you think he was. Okay. And the reluctant hero that he is. Yeah. And so I remember we couldn't get Tom to surf. And if we got him to the beach, he'd rather body surf than surf. And I'm like, Tom, just right away by my surfboard, please. You know, yeah. like, like, God damn it, Tom. So anyways, so we, we had some trips and we got some photos of them, but we were initially, we were having a really hard time um, getting images of them to promote. And we were going into Surf Expo and we just signed Tom. And, and Tom... Was he, like, was, how do you sign Tom Curran? I mean, I know he's off At tour. that point, no. Like, no, he, Tom, he, he was, was off tour. He was, he was totally fucking deal like, I'll do anything. He was dealless. Yeah. okay? A, almost a hobo. Yeah. And, it's, and it's funny because his old lady, Mackie, became good friends with my wife, at the time and they had two young sons that were the same age of my three so we all just became best buddies 
And so I kind of coached Tom into serving. I'm like, what are you doing here? Like, you're living in some fucking condo in Laguna Niguel? Like, what, what, what the, this, this doesn't equate to me. Like, That's what so the fuck, weird. Tom? Like, like, dude, I'm like, come surfing with me. You yeah. know what I mean? And so we did. So going into the Surf Expo, we had signed Tom, but we had no imagery of him with our shit. So I'm like, fuck, Troy Cho t-shirt. So I came up with the current for president thing, if you guys remember that. Yeah. And, and that was the only way we could promote Tom. So we did these current for president t-shirts. And oh I'm the, we made that, you know, we still screened the delegate badge so you I could sign, like, here's Lyndon's shirt. And we'd sign your name on it and current in the back doing the Nixon peace sign thing. Anyways, so that was, Genius. that's how, so yeah. And, and again, I can't, was there any real formulation to that? No, it was like, oh, fuck, what are we going to do? How about current for president? Okay, fuck it, we'll make these graphics. And it was just funny line art that we did, and it kind of worked, right? It fucking worked. And, and subsequently, then, all of a sudden, Tom started surfing again. And um, But, I mean, and that window, what was super rad about that, too, and I Forget just was surfing. That, that was so yeah. epic. Yeah, I was surfing with, I actually was surfing last week, and um, I started out at Gravels all by myself, way on the north end of the beach. It was shitty, and I kind of floated to the north. And it was so fucking fun. I paddled into fucking uh, the, into middles, and fucking Snipsy's out there. Pat comes fucking paddling out, and I got to be honest with you, man. I, I got a little reminiscent because fucking dude, those dudes are fucking rad people, you yeah. know. And I'm and I'm partners with that. Pat and I own a house in Hawaii together, which Snip was a partner in at one point. Uh, but I'm just super indebted that that those guys are a big part of my fucking life. Yeah. And and Donovan fucking still one of my best friends we talk all the time yeah. and um and it doesn't matter what they're doing i you listen if, if snips if snips ever left, like those yeah. dudes are my dudes right yeah and, and i'm really proud of that and i think they'd say the same about me and what was rad at that time is at the same window that we're starting this brand mind you hey snips was fucking the big wave fucking god yeah. like toto santos taylor yeah. knox like remember that shit yeah, yeah. the fucking like who do you think fucking got taylor on that fucking wave it wasn't for snips taylor wouldn't have gotten that wave sure. and, and snips got the first one of that set Gert it just says the same thing right. man it was like fucking snips and if it just, wasn't on again it. this is yours and so what was really <laughs> rad for me again in this forrest gump fucking world there was a that was probably the tail end of when i wanted to ride big waves okay so i understood it yeah okay but it was so much fun for me to be like, like Snips is like climbing fucking Everest every fucking week, yeah. biggest swells ever. And I was fucking, you know, we shared a fucking office space. You know what I mean? So I was in on every, like ghost trees with girl. Yeah, you want to hear the fucking story? I fucking, I got it firsthand from Snips. You want to hear the story when Mark Fu passed? Like, like, who do you think I fucking Fu bounced off of? Who do you think fucking he called when he was driving home going, dude, fucking think Fu, fucking, you know, like I was super connected to it. Vicariously, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying yeah. I was in the lineup, yeah. no. but, but dude, I lived with Snips at that point. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was super proud to be, again, just to be in on those conversations, not qualified to carry his fucking fins to the beach. Yeah. But it was fucking rad. And yeah. again, Pat on tour and fuck, like, dude, like, man, I used to drive Pat to the fucking surf contest. Like, these guys were my dudes. Yeah. You know, like when he was winning the NSA Open Seasons, who do you think fucking took him? Me. Yeah. I'd lose second round. Okay. but And then I'd have to sit there until fucking Sunday at five o'clock when he'd win. <laughs> all right. So, so what happened with Realm? What, so anyways, so, so we start the Realm up and, and quite frankly, what was that? It fucking happened, right? Yeah. And we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. And, that, and apparel, as anybody knows, is a really fucking tricky business. But we got off the ground. And it was kind of taking hold. And um, we were fucking selling a little bit of fucking shit. And it was pretty neato. So then we fast forward maybe a year. And that's when the whole Arnett Luxottica thing got lame. Yeah. So at that point, I was... And we always maybe had in the back of our mind, based on our real experiences, that maybe we'd do an eyewear brand. Okay? But... I was still selling our net at that point. 
So, so it gets weird. And at that point, I'm like, fuck, I'm out. Hard money to walk away from, but I'm out. This just ain't right. So again, Big B, who was the Chris Burke, who was the original marketer behind our net, we pulled him in as a separate team. We made a separate brand, separate agreement, uh, operating agreement, et cetera, et cetera, a separate fund to start Von Zipper. And who so- Who came up with Von Zipper? I did. <laughs> so, oh, well, you want to hear that story? Okay, so that's a fun one. So anyway, so we start Von Zipper. And, and so at the time, really it was me and Big B were the kind of two kind of like marketer creative fuckers, right? And I'm not saying I'm a creative fucker. Okay, but but Big B certainly was, and so so um, we we were our chore in the group in the in the partnership base, which again the majority of the realm team came on, as well as then we pulled in Big B. So it was really the realm team plus Big B to spearhead this this Arnett project or the Von Zipper project. So so Big B and I were charged to come up with a name. So we went our own separate ways and. I came up with three or four handles. He came up with three or four. And so the Monday morning, we were like, okay, let's come up with the name game. So we're doing the name game. And there was a whiteboard, everything, drawings, yeah, like doodle. Like 100%. Coffee on the table, napkins, the yeah. whole fucking bit. Okay. And so we were going back and forth about the names. And they're just, we probably could have done any of them. And, but none was really like, this is it, right? Yeah. And so, so we had gone back and forth for enough hours to where I'm like, okay, fuck. We got to walk away from this thing and we'll revisit it because we're just not like. And so for me, I'm always a little kind of passive to be like, oh, man, it's got to be my name. I'm not that guy. Like, like truly. Yeah. And I felt kind of I maybe I thought I had the better handle, but I was not going to assert that unless everybody else was in. Right. Yeah. And so we just never came to a consensus. So we walked away from it. And so at that time, um, everything we've always done to this day with eyewear, with the brand, anything we've done, it always starts with some sort of inspiration mood thing. And so we were embarking on our first snow goggle. And so I was like, okay, guys, fuck, man, this thing's got to be fucking World War One fighter pilot, scarf blowing in the wind, biplane, fucking Red Baron, spiked fucking helmet. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm like, God damn it, it's got to be fucking Von Zipper. And I'm all fucking animated and making face shapes and shit. And I said Von Zipper, and I was like, fuck Big B. We should call the fucking thing Von Zipper. Wow. And he looks at it, and he's like, fuck yeah. And Big B was like, yeah, and it would be VZ. And he literally tapped cocktail napkin on the fucking table, put a V and a Z connected on a, cock, uh, on a fucking donut napkin, and I put a circle around it. I'm like, yeah, it looks really classy. I mean, literally, that's wow. how it happened. Because you got to have initial, you got to have something to tag the side yeah. that's, a, you know, a, right. an emblem. So, uh, 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 is like the strongest. So the V and the Z image. connected, yeah. and I put a circle around it, and it became Von Zipper. So, what, sorry, sorry. What was on the chopping block? What was some of the other? I'm not even going to go into Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there was some, there was, no. And let's just put it this way. There was a couple that probably weren't trademarkable anyways. How about that? Yeah. But we were playing with, um, what's those words that you can go like spell, like radar? We went, okay, radar was one. Oh. You could spell backwards and forwards. Right. Okay. okay. I, auto was one. Yeah. Um, which I'll get to auto in a minute. Yeah. So anyways, so so at that point, just just the background of Von Zipper. Okay, so so Big B just bought it. Von Zipper, folks, that's rad. And and again, this was before Von Dutch hit and all this shit. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was lifting off of Von Dutch, all right? For sure. Um and and it was Big Z, 
Big V, Big Z, one word, all right? It was capital V-O-N, capital Z-I-P-P-E-R, one word. It was never Bond space zipper. It was always one fucking word. To this day, I correct people about that shit. Even here at corporate fucking land, I'm like, dudes, it's not fucking Bond space zipper. It's fucking, and like, it's always been, it's either V-Z or Von zipper, one word, capital V, capital Z. Anyways, so, <laughs> so the funny thing is, okay, so the back end of the, the name. So how do you come up with Von zipper? So anyways, so back in that time, and I still have the bike, I'd bought, I'd, I was into riding street bikes at that time. And um, I, I, since the mid 80s. And so, so. It's correct. Triumph, like, like. Uh, the first not, bike, not no, rest, no, no, yeah, no, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I, that, my first bike, my first, Just I had like XR75 shit. Yeah. We know, but our right. listeners don't. No, no. Uh, so my first bike I bought in 86 was a, a Norton Commando 850. It was a 73 Norton Commando 850 and um, and it had 1,200 miles on it. And, um, and I bought an 86 and I fucking, to this day, I've ridden the fuck out of that bike. Um, currently, I've, I kind of actually fucking blew it up a couple months ago and it's, so the engine's on the floor right now. But but I road raced that bike. I fucking, you know, like, where are we going? Okay, wait, San Francisco? See you in an hour. You know, like that, the bike was... At that point, nobody could beat me through Ortega Canyon. I was the fastest guy in the canyon. It was fucking fun as shit. And it was just another extension. Wait, the waves are flat? The, the ramp needs masonizing? There's no snow? Fuck, wait, the band's fucking broken up? I'm riding my motorcycle in the canyon. It was just another fucking thing to go fast. Yeah. So anyways, so at that point in that time frame, I was kind of one of the only guys who was really riding street bikes. And so so Matt Archibald, who was a friend of mine, um, was was... Maybe I'd face some fucking or pay some lawyer bills or something. But he calls me. He's like, "Hey, GT man, I got this knucklehead and I got this panhead, and fuck, I got a, I got a, I got a bill that I got to pay. Do you know anybody who wants to buy my bikes?" Wow. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll try and network it for you." But fuck, nobody was buying that shit at that point. There's yeah. fucking nobody's riding. You know, all the surfers were afraid they're gonna fall or something. You know, nobody wanted that shit. So <laughs> except Matt and me, maybe. Okay. So anyways, so maybe two weeks later, he's like, "Yo, dude, like I really need to sell these fucking things." I'm like, "Fuck, dude." Let me come look at him. So I drive down to this place in San Clemente, and fuck, sure enough, man, he's got this goddamn rusty old panhead that, that was certainly not put together very well. And he's got this fucking knucklehead, tank shifty knucklehead. It was a jockey ship, but, it was, you know, again, fairly assembled. But again, you know, Matt was doing a lot of his wrenching himself with a buddy. So, I, I mean, it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't some build that T-Rod from fucking, you know, Quality Cycles fucking did this. You know, it's similar to what I do with my road race shit. You kind of put it together and hope you don't kill yourself, right? Yeah. So anyways, so I'm like, fucking Matt, how much you want for it? We came up with the fucking price. I bought both the bikes, brought them fucking home. And um, I still have both bikes to this day. Awesome. And, um, but the pan is probably the best way to describe on zipper because this thing was a rattle can paint job, rusty fucking spokes. The shit was unsafe at any fucking speed, but it was just bad to the fucking bone, right? This was not some fucking weekend like, oh, look, I polished my fucking bike on my flame tank fucking dude. This was like, dude, it was fucking outlaw shit, right? Yeah. And anybody who knew what it was would be like, damn, that thing, it's got patina today's. Long before that was fucking cool, this thing was fucking that. So in those days with me and the few folks that I rode, if you saw some patinaed out old fucking bike or some patinaed out old hot rod, you're like, damn, that thing's Von Zipper, which was meant as a compliment to something that was a little raw, a little ratty, but it was fucking real. Yeah. Okay. Like, it's like, I so pull was, up, I pull up. Zipper an expression? You it was an had? adjective. Yeah. Basically it was an adjective okay. to describe something that was kind of raw and ratty. 
but was rad. Like, dude, I pull up on my panhead in front of your fucking house. Your parents are like, what the fuck is that? Get that fucking thing out of here. We're the cops. You know, like, that. But yeah. therein is the fucking beauty of it. It's yeah. pirate shit, right? Yeah. Kind of like real respect's real. So anyway, so that was the basis of the name as I had used it was it was an adjective. So anyways, like, I fucking tell my old man that night. We came up with the name. I call my old man and... um 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 Mickey. Hey Mickey Nielsen, fuck you. Um Mickey. Yeah, uh, Mickey. Um the green drill the green drill is on my chair in my office. Just grab it. Okay, I put the keys for the van because your other one's oh. leaking, right? And yeah, well it, it doesn't leak when I'm going 90. It, it's parked out front. Thank you. It does have a plug for the trailer, but it doesn't have a ball. Uh, so okay, but wait, so we can plug, I'll put my ball, I have a ball for it. Okay. As long as Perfect. you got a ball for yeah. it. Dude, how fucking cool is dude. it that Mickey I work Nielsen at? Dude, I work at Board Riders and Mickey Nielsen runs the fucking show here. Oh, I all see, right? oh, I see like, a cruise in the golf cart. Yeah. Like, what? No, no. And, and hey, we could, I haven't told you any of my North Shore, like, black short fucking Stop stories. But, yeah. but the point being is, Mickey Nielsen was somebody I feared immensely and now I consider a pretty close friend. So yeah. That's awesome. So, we all, we all just, feared you. He's just fucking lying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Mickey, you know. We'd, we'd love to get you on the show sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Late Night with Chalky Podcast. Yeah, I didn't know you guys Yeah, sorry. So, <laughs> that's why I didn't mean to wave you off, right? You know, yeah, I would never do that. But, but the, um, but the drill bit's there. Rambling. Thank you, mate. Cheers. Um, you can Mickey Nielsen, awesome. right? I know. So anyways, so, so I call my dad that night for Von Zipper. We're back to Von Zipper name. So I call my dad and I'm like, yo, dad, we named the fucking brand. We're calling it Von Zipper. I probably did say, we named the fucking brand. Dad is fucking yeah. Von Zipper. He's like, Von Zipper? He's like, Von Zipper. He's like, isn't that the name of a character in Beach Blake and Bingo? Oh, my God. And I'm like, fuck. Is it? And he's like, yeah, I think you need to watch that movie because I'm pretty sure there's a character named Von Zipper in Beast Blank and Bingo. Wow. Which, which again, and I've always been into it. So, so Beast Blank and Bingo is the kitschy Hollywood, yeah. uh, Malakuna, Watusi, yeah. Moondoggy, yeah, Gidget, you know, like, Gidget yeah. shit. Yeah. It's Gidget yeah. shit. Yeah. And I'd seen Gidget and I was aware Beach of Beast Blank and Bingo. I just hadn't seen it. And if I had, it was 20 fucking years. So I watched the fucking movie and sure enough, Eric Von Zipper is the biker that Shut would show up door. to fight the fucking surfers. Yeah. And like he'd go to throw a swing at Moondoggy, miss, fall on his slip on a banana peel and knock himself out kind of shit. Yeah. And so at that point, and certainly that's where the Von Zipper adjective genesis from. And Dude. that was, you know, whoever was in my group started using it. I just picked it up. I didn't know that's where it came from. Right. But at that point I was like, oh, fuck. This is awesome. What could be better? Okay, because the whole thing about Von Zipper, mind you, we came off of our net. And, and the only thing we weren't going to do is what we did at our net, both aesthetically and style-wise, okay? Yeah. And so what could have been and, – and if you know anything about Von Zipper, and I hope a couple of you people do, is, man, we're a good time brand. We're, all we want to do is celebrate fucking having fun. Yeah. And, and eyewear can go anywhere when you're doing that shit, all right? And so, so the funny thing is, surf was going to be our basis, make no mistake about yeah. it. So, so how fucking awesome was it that – that our namesake, in theory, was the opposed to the very thing we held most dear, being yeah. surf. So we, our namesake was the biker that wanted to fuck the surfers up, but couldn't because they were fucking too stupid. <laughs> and that was everything we did. Our marketing, our storytelling was always take the piss out of us, everybody else, whatever. Our product's fucking serious, but we never took it too seriously. We were, yeah, we were yeah. here to have a fucking good time. We wanted to be the fucking fashion brand of sport and the sport brand of fashion. We were fucking confused from the get. But that was our fucking idea. Yeah. And so, so when we came into the market with that name and our early advertising, remember I said auto. 
Well, so we were trying to come up with our handle on what we were going to look and feel like. So, so at that time, mind you, Oakley was all evil scientists do exist. And, yeah. and Greg Arnett was the maestro behind the fucking curtain. And we might know a little bit better on some of that shit comes together. All yeah. right. Because as good as the ideas we'd come up with eyewear, largely I got a fucking 70 year old Italian that is the genius mathematician that gets all the mathematicals right. And that's why Von Zipper fits so fucking well. So we would come up with the ideas and then fine tune them with our, uh, you know, our two Spire, second yeah. generation Italian that was the fucking optical fucking guru, right? <laughs> and so, so don't tell me evil scientists do exist. And I'm not saying they don't, but fuck it, we knew a little better. So I'm like, fuck it. Let's come up with a fictitious designer. Like, who's going to design it? Like, who's putting their name on the side of the shade? Greg Arnett put his on there. Who's going to put their name? I'm like, fuck it. Let's come up with a fucking fake designer. Awesome. So we came up with, hence the name Otto, which was, was one of our brand names that we didn't do. We came up with Otto Von Zipper, okay? And Otto Von Zipper <laughs> was our fictitious designer that, that there's a whole backstory to him. Secret, secret silent partner slash designer. Got blacklisted in the communist scare, <laughs> in, in the 30s communist scare in Hollywood, and then spent 40 years on a walkabout from, from Milan, <laughs> Tokyo, Paris, Tijuana, and back to LA. And here we are, Von Zipper, to re-release his family heirloom collection that's been under ice since the late 40s. Genius. So we bring out fucking Otto Von Zipper. And if you remember any of our early ads, it was Ina Karras' grandpa playing Otto Von Zipper. Mm. And we had this goofy old man doing all these funny poses in our goofy shades that, God damn it, when I look at him now, I'm like, how the fuck we ever fucking launch with this shit? And it was so different than, like, the only, we were not doing a catfish, motherfuckers. We were doing, we were trying yeah. to go fashion, all right? And, and so, and, 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 like, this is, might be, there might have been cell phones at that point. There could have been dial-up internet, okay? Like, like okay, so it wasn't, so we were just kind of coming up with our own ideas, thinking what fashion might be, all right? As people born on the beach and fucking stupid as fuck, right? And so, anyways, so we fucking take Otto Von Zipper and make him a, a figure. Yeah. To the point where we launched our first trade show at ASR, we had Otto Von Zipper come out. And we dressed him up in like a fucking robe with a fucking, um, somebody might remember this, in a, a ascot hat. And, and we borrowed two of Snoop Dogg's biggest, gnarliest bouncers, you know, bodyguard bodyguards. types to walk Otto through the show. And I mean, oh, dude, so we walk, we walk Otto through the show. And this is when Action Sport, you know, it's ASR, blowing up. it yeah. used to go fucking big, right? Yeah. So we, I mean, I, Otto's walking through all like, don't touch me, peasant. And these two big, gnarly-looking bodyguards, you know, Snoop guys, bodyguards. And so he's walking. The two big black guys are walking, clearing the aisles for Otto to come walking through. And people are like, who the fuck's that? And I'm like, dude, that's Otto Von Zipper, man. You know, like, I'm sitting there kind of playing it. Yeah. yeah. Going, dude, that's You're Otto Von Zipper. And at that time, we had the Von Zipper girls, and there was always some cute little floozies that probably everybody else humped it except me that were always around and it was super fun and, and I don't mean that disrespectfully to the girls because they were super pretty and rad yeah um, um, but we walked around and like oh, it runs over. so we paraded them around the trade show and that's kind of how we started our goofy little buzz right oh my god so we ran that we ran that for maybe two years 18 months or something and um, and at that point um, um, it's funny at that point that was right at the kind of early point and shoot digital camera explosion. So at that point, 
mostly Big B, but occasionally I would. We'd always have our point and shoot cameras. Yeah. And all of a sudden we started shooting photos of our friends in the shades. Again, Enoch got some ads. Um, um, I'm trying to think of some of the people you guys might remember. Um, anyways, whether it was uh, Bob Lundgren from BCHAP, you might have gotten an ad. Um, but we just used all of our goofy friends because yeah. we had no money. Okay, so we were just using our goofy friends to, to shoot ads of. Average Joe, not some celebrity. It could be anybody who got Could've an ad, yeah. right? And we were submitting our ads to, to Surfer and Happy and all the mags at that time digitally. And they're like, what the fuck is this? We can't work with this. You know what I mean? Like it predated, like they were still on fucking film and slide, right? And we're like, oh no, this is how it is. And there's these shitty two megapixel, you know, <laughs> photos. And again, I'm positive that, I, I certainly didn't know, maybe Big B was clued into it. But our whole look was kind of, and again, I'm not qualified to carry anybody's camera bag. Yeah. But our look Great. was almost kind of Terry Richardson-esque that it was just kind of point and shoot in the moment, fly yeah. on the wall yeah. shit. And it kind of resonated. Yeah. And, and, and it made our shit look so different than everybody else's. It wasn't because it wasn't, here's my yeah. logo. Here's my, my fucking dude walking with a surfboard. Here's the product bug. Like everybody was doing that skate shoe style you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the, the three piece, the three piece formula. Yeah, and we were doing these big, broad, expansive, open space kind of goofy fucking characters. Some in costumes, some not. Some real life, some weirdo that you might know. Yeah, and it kind of worked because it looked so much different than everything else, and it looked kind of fashion sir. Like, dude, like, hey man, one of our first ads. It's on my wall. Um, that that took that avenue was we were up in um, Seattle, um, and. Our rep at the time, Scott Scott Downey, who I talked to him yesterday, still one of my best friends for one of our first reps. We're touring, we're touring some shops up in Seattle, and we come by this kind of. It was Easter time, so we come by this house, and it's all Easter egged out, inflatable bunnies. You remember this ad? Oh yeah. And and, and so Sweaty, who was an absolute fucking character, had on a bright pink von zipper shirt. And for whatever reason, we had like a Captain America motorcycle helmet oh in the back God, of the car and some one. big fruity fucking squirt guns. And so Sweaty jumps out and is in the garden with these Easter bunnies and shit and pink fucking eggs and shit with a Captain America helmet on looking all fucking weird. I think we spray painted some fucking sunglasses and, and fucking got the fucking shot. And that was the roll into our fucking advertising, that, that look that we evolved to. And the funny thing is, at the time, mind you, again, there was a formula. And, and let's face it, some of that shit was a little fucking stale. I remember our ad ran, and, and my whole thing, you know, okay, I fucking was on the deeds list at San Diego State, no fucking whatever. <laughs> but the point being is my whole thing with marketing was always cut through the clutter and create an emotional attachment. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if we're selling the black thing. What we're selling is the fucking dream. Cut through the clutter and create Aspiration, emotional attachment. That's that's what it's all about. Yeah. So so anyways. Don't overthink it. Well, the bottom line is, yeah, all I know fun. is when I was a kid and I saw fucking Jay Adams doing a fucking lapper, like, you know, a, a, a fucking thriller or whatever the fuck, they, an edger, as they call her, a tail block. Dude, <laughs> that shit that I, I, all I did was stare at that moment yeah. and want to do that. Yeah. So that was what fucking we were trying to do. It's like, so anyways, so you're flipping through that goddamn magazine at this time, and probably you guys were one of them. Yeah. You guys flipped through that magazine, and you got to that, up. yeah, and, and you were like, yeah, you were looking for your cover shot. And and believe me, I was still looking for him too. But but the point being is you got to that goofy yeah. fucking Easter Bunny surprise. A stopper. And, and fighter pilot Fernstein is what we named him. <laughs> 
fuck man, it was a record scratch moment again. Meaning like you got to that page, whether you got it or not, yeah. you could not help but stop for a minute and go, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And half the people got it and, and, and probably the people who didn't stare at it longer because you know, it's just like, what? And so we just ended up doing these series of these rad little vignettes that were not largely produced, but just got fucking quirkier and quirkier because it was just a reflection of who we were and what we wanted to be as a brand. Yeah. And so then, then our first athlete um, turned out to be Ardo Sari, actually. And again, Ardo was skater of the fucking year. And again, we got some fucking shit. Dude, that guy was a fucking rock star. And the photos were easy because he looked like one. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so so from there, I think we were talking before we started, uh, Brian Deegan was one of our first athletes. And again, it wasn't about Brian Deegan. Oh, my God, 909. I wasn't fucking that. I was not close-minded to that. What I was interested in is that dude was doing the gnarliest shit on a so motorcycle crazy. anybody had ever seen. And he showed up with, like, spikes on his shoulder pads. And shit, he was putting on a fucking show. Yeah. And so, so I was like, fuck, I got the energy. And again, um, for Snow, it was first Ingmar Backman, but then it came Kevin Jones. Like, who was more fucking awesome than Kevin Jones on a snowboard at that time? He broke ground everywhere he fucking went. And so we always aligned with these people. And, and, our, and our, our whole bit was, when it came to athletes, was, was I didn't want the fucking jock that won. Yeah. I wanted the fucking life of the party who came second and we all got laid. You know what I mean? <laughs> and and by the way, when our second place fucking ruler, our bridesmaid became the fucking bride, oh fuck, it was like Hurricane fucking Sandy or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like then it was the best of both worlds. You know, yeah. like, hey, when 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 Andy started being a winner, like, dude, we fucking threw it down, right? Yeah. But goddammit, if he came second, we still fucking threw it down, yeah. right? Or Taj, Same or name results. any of those. Right, right. Like, fuck, man. I didn't want the fucking nerd. I wanted the fucking pirate. Yeah. And we were really, uh, we were really lucky that people, once they kind of got it, fucking wanted to join. Even to this day, with someone like Haldor Helgeson, who is probably the best fucking snowboarder in the world, dude, he could ride for fucking five hundred brands more than that. Oh God, now somebody's gonna steal him from me. Well, no, no, they won't because he won't go anywhere else. But the point being is, he would could ride for somebody else and get paid triple the money. But he wants to ride for us because he believes. Yeah. And that's and that's how I did it as an athlete. And that's why I'm like, these are the people I want to align with. And so as we fast forward now to, um, and yes, I'm not going to go into the sort of details about, yep, still the most optimistic person I know. But he, it fucked up the realm and it fucked everything up. And that's how we got to Billabong. But I retained ownership and then we sold it to them. And now I'm here at Board Riders. Okay, that's as much as you guys want to hear about that shit. If you if you want to hear more about it, buy me a beer and we'll talk about it. Okay, but <laughs> but the point being is there's a lot of businessy shit that I learned through all that yeah. beyond the aspiration and trying to cut through the clutter yeah. that quite frankly just helped me round out into the businessman I became. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I never wanted to know how many boxes of fucking shit we needed in the back, but I, I unfortunately had to, okay? Yeah, but sure. that's not what I focused on. And, but when I had to, I did. I, I, I could, I, I, I don't mind solving a puzzle, so I, I've always been inquisitive enough to, to operationally get through that shit, but I'd always prefer to have a better operator than me. Yeah, and, and quite frankly, that's not very hard to do, okay? <laughs> so, so, but for me and the brand and, and the assembly, and, and I wanna make this abundantly clear, is that Von Zipper would never be what it is today. And it, we're 20 fucking years old, and I'm really fucking proud of that. All right? 20 years old yeah. already? Yep. Yeah. And Von Zipper wouldn't be what it is today without 
someone like Craig Lark, who, yes, I ended up suing. And, yes, there was a time that I damn near killed him because I wanted to fucking strangle him. Yeah. Um, but he was the most optimistic man I fucking ever met. And, God damn it, if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't happen. Right. Same with Rob Reese or Jeff Reese or Big B or any of the people. I'm kind of the last man standing in the original partnership group. But it never would have happened with any of those guys. Led Zeppelin would have never been Led Zeppelin without, you know, John Paul Jones, John Bonham, Robert Plant, and Jimmy Page. The same way Von Zipper would not have been what it was if it wasn't for any of those kind of harmonies coming together. I, I, right. I now. think, I am, and it, that's I, why Bloodshot never happened. Yeah. Those pussies. <laughs> but, but, you know. You Fuck know, that, you, Christian. <laughs> Mama's boy. That happens a lot with businesses and partners and stuff. It's nothing like. It is so it's hard, hard. Yeah. Jay, it is so hard. And look, at when you're a sales rep, because mind you, now I'm talking, now I'm a brand guy. Okay, so I graduated yeah. from being, I didn't tell you how the glow breakup happened, but that was kind of funny. But, but now I'm a brand guy. And again, every experience I've had, hey, I started out as a horny fucking athlete, okay? And then, oh, by the way, I maintained a horny athlete and became a pretty good, uh, I worked behind the counter. Yeah. And then, by the way, I still was a horny athlete and then I became a rep. And did some marketing and some media shit. Oh, and then I was a horny athlete that then started his own brand. Okay. And through that, I've learned a lot of experiences, but each one led to the other. Yeah. And, and now I'm the world's oldest, or sorry, the world's youngest 55 year old. All right. Because I still am fucking act, actively pursuing every fucking thing we stand for. Right. Um, and, and so through that, um, it's so hard. There is a million genius ideas. Right. And there's fucking. Five million doors you got to go through and the right combination to make it work. And any, if I didn't have a good operator in Rob Reese or a good fucking production dude in Jeff Reese or a fucking clever marketer in Big B or, or a money dude in Craig Lark or somebody who could kind of rally the whole thing together like me. Again, I'm not telling you I'm a good manager. I may be an okay leader because God damn it. If you ain't going to do it, I will fucking get on the floor, man. I was Before you guys got here, I was packing team rider boxes, okay? I fucking I was at the UPS machine an hour before you guys showed up. Yeah, it to, happen. Sending shit to Mason Ho. He's going snowboarding in Aspen next week. Go check it out. Ho. But anyways. Tomorrow. So Mason anyways, Ho. Oh, ho, brah. Hey. My favorite fucking dude, right? Oh, uh, so, I think, yeah. We, could that be favorite, a fucking better brand fit for Von Zipper? Favorite dude. Are you kidding me? Like, so that anyways, a, a that's done. Is yeah. it new? Double Aloha. Uh, you, you want to, okay, you, this goes to almost real time. You want to hear the quick Mason Ho story? Super fun. So about three years ago, three years ago, Mason, we were in talks. Von Zipper was in talk with Mason. Unfortunately, at that time, Spy came over the top and did a double deal with Coco and Mason together, which we could not match. Okay? And I love Coco. God damn it, I might like Coco more than I like Mason. Don't tell Mason that. <laughs> But I love them. Yeah. And Uncle Mike, mind you, remember, I was a gotcha guy. I got long-term relationship with Uncle Mike, who, as far as I'm concerned, is Hawaiian royalty. Second, right. there's there's few that stack up to the to Duke Hanamoki. Actually, there's nobody stacks up to Duke. But oh. Michael's not too far off that fucking tree. Sure. Okay. So anyways, so we get down the road with Mace, and it didn't work out at the time. And I was pretty bummed because I was like, fuck. Could there be a better guy for Von Zipper than Mason O? Mm. And this was really right at the beginning of where he was really doing fun so, content. Yeah. Okay. Starting to... Yeah, he was really founding his feet. Yeah. So anyways, okay. So we fast forward, okay, to... And Mason and I were always cool. Like, hey, sorry it didn't work out, but dude, like, I love you. Like, yeah, you're my you, favorite you fucking server. You want the best for him. Right, hey, right, hey, right. Take yeah. that check and run. You and fucking have it. at yeah. it. Yeah. So we fast forward to November 2020, like November Shit, three months ago, like whenever that was. So I show up. So, and like I said earlier, O'Connell and I own a, own a place at Belzee Land, kind of right there. And... um 
And my trip is this, man. Mark my words. If you hear I'm going to Hawaii, okay. If the plan lands at fucking 12, okay, there's a, like, catch the 8, 8, 8 15, lands at 11, 45. I will be at Belzey Land, laying on the fucking rock that I've leaned against since Michael Hope first allowed me to surf that beach at, by 3 o'clock with a beer in my hand, okay? I say that homeboy's house. Oh, shit, at that, right there at Crazy Lane. Well, that's where our fucking, ha- okay, that's where, so he's talking about Mickey Nielsen as he points out the window, Jay was. Yes. Okay, I, Mickey knows where my house is. He's yeah. like, dude, I think I smell crack in that house once upon <laughs> Okay, he didn't say that. But he knows my house. Yeah. So anyways, so I show up. I'm good. I don't need sushi. I'm on a fucking protein diet right now. I can't eat rice. So anyways, um, Lyndon, Elsie, I will pull all the fish out of the, Lyndon. Just, Pot of sushi. Yeah. Lyndon just, we have some sushi on the table that hasn't been eaten yet. Pot of sushi. Yeah. And I haven't, I haven't eaten any of it because I'm on the protein diet and I can't eat rice because it's race season and I got to lose fucking 20 pounds. But anyways, you know, seven pounds. Equals one horsepower, kids. Remember that. So, anyways, <laughs> wait. So, so go, you're going. You're okay. So about I show up. I show up at my house, and I can't get my fucking clothes off quick enough. I, you know, again, I show up with a backpack because I got a fucking house full of shit. So I run down to Belzeland with a couple beers, right? And um, and so I'm laying on the rock. That there's the one, you know, where the wall ends at the, at the Ellison house. Yeah. And there's the one rock that's always there. I use that. I lean against it. And I'm fucking drinking a beer. And just four o'clock in the afternoon. And it's just the best fucking thing ever, man. I will, till the day I die. I will, the last place I serve right will there. be Doheny. And the, the, my fucking, one of my favorite places in the world is that rock at Vila. I, I want that lot right yep. in the front. Yep. <laughs> Who doesn't? Okay. I got the cheap one on the other side of Cam Highway. Okay. So anyways, and Kayna Point in the distance, yeah. sunset, the whole uh. bitch. So, and the waves are kind of going off. And it's like kind of maybe a six or a seven out of 10. Yeah. And there was about 50 guys out. So I'm like, fuck, do I want to run up to the house and grab my shit? Because I'd have to pull the boards out, fucking put some fins on boards and shit. And I was just like, oh, it's kind of crowded, but God, it was fucking good. And that's, Belzeal is my favorite spot because God damn it. I, oh, sunset's 10 feet. Okay, you guys have fun. I'm going to grab my shortboard out of and get tubed. Okay. Oh, maybe do a turn. Okay, this is awesome. Oh, by the way, I can paddle out without getting my hair wet. Okay, this is kind of cool. Like, and yep, I'll get pitched over the falls and bounce off the reef, but it ain't sunset where I'm going to get two wave hold down shit yeah. right so anyways so i'm laying on the beach i'm contemplating whether i should grab my shit and i and i look over and there's fucking i'm like is that fucking mason about knee deep in the water at the paddle out right there at the vein up vlan i'm like fuck is that mason and you know he's got some fucking you know goofy fucking psychedelic paint job and i'm like oh fucking rips girl sticker yeah i'm like fuck that's mace yeah and then i'm looking at his board more closely kind of checking out his stickers and i'm like fuck there's not a spy sticker on there whoa and i'm like this guy, oh, fuck. Marketing guy. and and i'm like oh shit i'm like should i run up on him right now fuck he's already got knee deep in i'm like fuck it Cannibal. i'm not, leaving. I'm not leaving this beach until this motherfucker comes in right <laughs> so it's four in the afternoon and at one point i'm like fuck maybe i should just run and grab my board and just paddle out and go small talk him. Yeah. But I'm like, God damn it. What if I go up to my house and he, he comes out. in? Oh, I can't miss him. And then I'm like, Stalker. and then I'm like, oh shit. And then I'm like, oh shit. And this is and Mason and I, like Mason's heard all this because yeah. I told him exactly that. So then I'm like, oh shit. I ran out. Of, I only brought two beers with me. And I'm like, oh shit. If I run up to the house right now and grab more beers, fuck, I might miss him. So luckily a girl was walking by who happened to be a friend or became a friend, we started drinking beer and rolling around the sand for a little bit. <laughs> and fuck me, I wait till fucking dark. And motherfucker, the fucker paddles in on the other side of the rock no. at VLAN, <laughs> jumps on the sand, and runs to backyards that way. And I miss him. Holy and I'm like, 
fuck. So now I'm fixated. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, you have his number. So I text him <laughs> that night. I'm like, oh, Mason, Mason the motherfucking place. It's cheating the motherfucking tea. Dude, I was rolling around the sand at V-Land this afternoon, and I saw you hit the water. I'm sorry we missed each other. I couldn't help but notice you don't got spy stickers on your board. Should we talk? Yeah. Look at this guy. He hits me back 20 minutes later or whatever. He's like, fuck yeah, GT. Fuck, uh, fuck yeah, GT on the rock. Fuck it. How you doing? What are you thinking? And I hit him back. I don't know. Create fucking history. He hits me back. <laughs> I hit him back. Yo, call me when you're available. Let's fucking sort some shit out. So I didn't hear from him that night. And then the next day, as standard, when you're in Hawaii, you know, I surfed that morning and it was fucking so good. Like, God, like the 9 a.m. shift, everybody gets out of the water and it's four foot and just every wave's a tube. Even I can get to my feet out there. It's awesome. That afternoon, I went for a regroup to be like, okay, am I going to get a sundowner? You know, like maybe there's one before dark. And so I was sitting on the beach playing my ukulele, as you do in Hawaii. And literally, <laughs> like, local. <laughs> no, no fucking joke. I got a fucking Diamond Donnie Cordoba ukulele that we've had there for 15 fucking years. And I'm playing my ukulele, sitting there under the trees, fucking right there. And who calls but Mason? And fucking, I answer the phone and I serenade him on my ukulele for the first fucking three minutes of the call. And he's like, dude, what is your fucking problem? Like, you are out of your fucking mind. So one thing leads to another. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, so what's your deal with spy? And he's like, oh, dude, fuck, man, COVID. They dropped me. They dropped Co Coco. Like, fuck, I really don't got a deal. I'm like, okay, we're, then you have no choice. We're doing something. And I'm like, so listen, why don't you think about what you want? I'll think about what I want. And, um, and we'll figure it out. Perfect time. Mean, meanwhile, I'm like, I hang up and I'm like, okay, fuck, how the, how fuck, how the fuck am I going to come up with money yeah. for Mason? Oh. Which, by the way, thanks, Board Riders, for cutting all my fucking budgets. So I have no money. Okay. <laughs> so anyways. Congratulations. So anyways, long story made short, we came to fucking terms. And honestly, I, I'm, again, through the course of On Zipper, I mean, again, we talked about Arno, Kevin Jones, like some of the hierarchy, you know, Brian Deegan types. You know, hey, at one point, Tell me, who had a better surf team than Von Zipper? Josh Kerr, Andy Irons, um, Todd, Taj Burrow, Parker. Joel Parko, Parkinson. Um, like, dude, I'll, I'll stack that team up against any fucking brand in the window. We had the best fucking surf team. Yeah. And again, I didn't care if they won titles. I just cared that they were fucking the most radical dudes in the yeah. water. And, radical. And, and, and history was, is repeating itself. And well, well yeah. Hey, these days you can't sponsor fucking the, the best five guys in the world and afford it, right? But what was rad, okay, so on the Taj Kersey Parko um, AI bit, okay, now remember, you guys might start remembering the Easter Bunny ads and yeah. shit that we were doing. Okay, so the first time I show up with Taj, Taj was the first, Taj was the first victim. <laughs> so we go up to the North Shore and we were shooting with a guy named Michael Muller, who is a fucking incredible photographer. And he was kind of a friend of a friend that I got connected with. And um, and he just wanted to do rad shit. And um, well above our pay grade. This is the dude. Michael Muller, for instance, is the dude that had the Time Magazine cover of Kobe Bryant holding the basketball when he passed oh, away. Wow. Rest in peace, KB fucking 2-4, fucking my idol. Um, um, but that's Michael Muller. Okay, yeah. Michael Muller, um, Wolverine 4 movie poster. Michael Muller, um, Michael, or not Michael Thorpe. Who's the fucking Olympian? Um, not Mark, Thorpe? Uh, not Thorpe, but who is the American version of it? Um, um, Phelps? 
Michael Phelps. Like, yeah. like, okay, like iconic. Yeah. <laughs> we afforded him or had him show up. He just wanted to do ratchet. <laughs> so we pulled Taj aside and I'm like, okay, Taj, here's the deal. Okay, get in this suit. <laughs> First one, tuxedo, <laughs> weed whacker, out by Army Beach on the way to Cayena Point. Oh my God. Taj is like, oh, I don't know, I like this. I'm like, Taj, you're fucking doing it. Let's go for it. <laughs> Taj fucking does the thing. The photos come back. The weed whacker photo. Fucking genius fucking moment, right? You gotta dig that one. And up. and and to this day, I probably still have it on my desk. Yeah. Taj emailed me at that time and was like, dude, this is the sickest ad I've ever been in. Thank you so much. Not even surfing. And and, I, and that was the thing. Okay, and mind you, here's the thing. Okay, and this is important. Thank you for bringing that up. Because what was important about that was. I figured, okay, Billabong's going to fucking show every rad action shot of Taj that you're ever going to sure. fucking see. Yeah. I wanted to bring personality out. Again, remember, emotion, aspiration, page stopper? I'm like, I ain't going to stop anybody if I got another frontside fucking tail whip from Taj. Yeah. yeah. But Taj in a tuxedo, fucking whacking weeds in the yeah. fucking t- the tropics? Just like, what's going on here? traffic. What the fuck is this mean? Yeah, what's yeah. going on? And again, on? every carper or every carpy old fuck that writes in fucking WSL saying that it sucks and all this shit probably said the same thing about it at that time. The good news is there wasn't an open forum to be able to do it at that point. <laughs> but people who had a little imagination and was into some fun yeah. fucking bought it, right? Yeah, sure. Beautiful. So then, so then in that series, the next one I think it, was it, yeah. Anybody say no? Like what the fuck? I gotta do it. <laughs> So then I get the next up was Parco. You want that check? And Parco, yeah, but I never had to I'm do just that. Kidding. I know, I'm but just I never. Did that, that, no, I, no, I would no. never play that card. No, but because just... trust me, there was plenty of times like athletes went MIA and or got hurt. I've always paid every one of our athletes, other than the COVID force majeure shit I had to do this year. Yeah. I've never broke a contract. Every contract through force majeure. We came back into, I'm really proud of that because I was an athlete once. And so I will shoot straight with anybody who I'm dealing with. This is the way it is. If you can get paid more money, good, I'll play the other side for you. Okay. Because anybody I'm trying to sponsor, I've always been like, yo, dude, oh, wait, Oakley's on the table. Okay. If we can't make it work, dude, I'll make Oakley pay you fucking 20 more grand. Yeah. Is that what you want to do? Yeah. Okay, great. So, so, and then by the way, when you get Oakley and you're done with it, you know, you always have a home here. That's my mentality. So, so anyways, so. So Parco, the first one with Parco, I believe, was pajamas, snow shovel. Again, um, uh, not it wasn't the Kanui Road, but it was one of the roads off of Cam Highway that head up to the hill. And Parco's sitting there, kind of Ted or Al Bundy, with his hand kind of in his fucking in his uh, you know in his fucking waistband. goofy plaid yeah. uh, plaid waisted fucking you know waistband. Uh, pajamas with holding a snow shovel on the North Shore. It's like, what the fuck is that? Like, nobody knows. But it was just, and, he, and Parco, fucking love that guy. Just that goofy Parco grin that he has. We got it. You know what I mean? So then, were, and, were you doing these all like within? And like, within like, okay, a, a today's Taj. Yeah. Today's Taj's day. Back to back the next back. day is Parco's day. The third day, I think, was Kersey's day. And Kersey was so fucking easy, he was in. Like, yeah. there was never second guess. Kersey's the raddest He's fucking guy. up in it. Oh, no, dude. He was yeah. like, well, wait, can we do this too? I'll hang upside down from the Haleiva sign. And, uh, you know, like, like he fucking did not. Like, wait, you want to put some bubbles on my face? Okay, let's do it. You know, like, like Kersey did not fucking care. Yeah. Andy. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I don't know if it was the first one with Andy, but it was in this time frame. So we, Mahler was into 
you know, hey man, we were using three lights. It was a production, like yeah. three lights, um, light screen. Yeah, and I mean, we no, he was. It was a. We didn't do fluffers, but the point being, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. but 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 again, to get Mueller's photographic quality, yeah. that motherfucker used three lights on everything, front, back, side, whatever whatever his combination was. But that's what made those photos look fucking well above surf fucking photos. So, anyways, so we might have shot one thing that was pretty stock. I think the first one was Andy kind of walking through the cane fields above, you know, as you roll into town, as you come from town and the first time you see the fucking water and yeah. coming in the North Shore, those back in the day when those cane fields that they're not there anymore, they still were then. Um, we shot Andy in those cane fields kind of walking through regular street clothes. And I think we kind of put some contact cement down and lit his footprints. So it looked like he was walking and there was fire following him or something, which wasn't that big of a stretch for Andy to do. So then at that point, we're like, okay, we're going to go to town. And I, I was driving, Andy was passenger, and then Muller and his crew were in another car or van. And Muller and I had already hatched a plan that we were going to stop traffic on the freeway and shoot Andy. So as we're coming in out of Milani, coming down into um, where it splits to go to the west side, yeah. you know, I think H, it's H2, H2 that yeah. zone. With the big, ugly fucking um, high rises, the you know, like those townhouses. Out of or place high rises. Yeah, those the, the, the weird spot right there. So, as we're coming out of Milani Town, we're coming down the fucking speed trap hill where H one H two splits, and um, and I look at Andy and, and Muller and I already had this fully fleshed. I'm like, okay, Andy, like, are you ready for this? We're gonna fuck it. I'm sorry, I've used that term with him then. We're gonna make history right now. He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, dude, we're gonna stop traffic. You're gonna jump out. We're gonna smoke it. And you're going to fucking look like a rock star on the freeway with traffic. He's like, wait, what? And he's like, dude, I don't know. And I'm like, I looked at him. And, and again, I'm like, first of all, take off that fucking Billabong shirt. There ain't no fucking logos in the shot. And second of all, put this one on. I had like a Super Suckers rock and roll t-shirt on or something. I'm like, put this on. And I took it off and made him put it on. And I had like a blazer in the backseat. I'm like, put this fucking blazer on. And he's like, oh, dude. And I'm like, grab these shades. And I throw the shades on. He's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, dude. Do you want to do another fucking lame billabong ad or do you want to fucking, you know, do you want to do something fucking cool, you know, change some fucking, like change the pulse of this shit? He's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. So right at that point, we're coming up. I got Andy kind of staged. We're coming up. Muller fucking takes the second leg and lane and fucking diagonals it. I fucking come in the kind of the emergency lane, park right there. I'm like, Andy, get the fuck out of the van. His dudes were on the spot, already ready to go, had the lights up. Fuck, I grabbed the smoker, fucking smoked it, and got Andy fucking by those buildings all fucking looking gnarly. What a trip. And, and dude, like, again, I'd have to dig the shot up, but, I mean, it made him look like Axel fucking Rose, yeah. which, in my opinion, he was. Yeah. And, um, and he saw that shot and never questioned it ever again. You know, like, yeah. and I had him, mind you, for the future of that was I had him hitchhiking down Cam Highway in a fucking tiger suit. Okay, like like we did some like Andy never questioned it, yeah. and because he understood, as did Joel Taj and and yeah. Kersey, that fuck man, it was just another extension of what their fucking persona was, yeah. For sure. and 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 it worked. And I was a little disappointed because honestly, I think in that window, I, I don't think uh, you know in the in the advertising bullshit SEMA awards of the year we never won one and I was a little disappointed not because and I didn't I'm not saying other brands weren't deserving of it yeah. but I gotta be honest with you I think that some of that shit that we rolled through as a brand and we'll never get credit for it but we changed the temperature from that skate shoe formula into kind of broad expansive full bleed fucking spreads and shit yeah. and just looked totally different that a lot of brands quite frankly 
and I took it as flattery, kind of assumed, and in some cases might have done a better job than us, but I know, hey man, nobody touched Michael Mueller's photography in that window, yeah. and so, nobody touched those moments that we created. Did you and ever I'm not, win that breakthrough? We won, I think the one year we won breakthrough yeah. brand of the year. We won that once. Yeah. But I always thought that our marketing and our visuals were good enough to win the marketing title, Absolutely. and we weren't gonna unseat. I mean, Nixon won it a bunch of times against us, and again, no disrespect to Nixon, but it was always kind of flat vanilla. Yeah. And we were going, I was fucking selling the, the dream. It was emotion. It was like, I wasn't selling the black gray fucking clutch. I was selling fucking the moment. Like all I wanted to do was stop the fucker and be like, oh fuck, just to make them look a little deeper in the Von Zipper. It wasn't about like some product centric thing that they're like, oh yeah, this is the snake skin 5150. <laughs> that was not what I was selling. We were selling the fucking move. Yeah. And so, so I was a little disappointed in that. And again, that I say that, Humbly, because that does not take away from the, some of the great things that some of the other brands did. Yeah. Okay, um, and, and I could go down the laundry list of some of those, um, except right. that so I respect all it, that. But shit. it's good to have we're, brands we're, ele elevate everybody and push. I thought, and, I thought, and, and I think we did. And people do copy, and it's a it's a for, form of flattery, but yep. it's also well, makes you look because at game. the time that Bon Zipper came through, not too long after Electric started, and again, us and Electric man, we went fucking head, head to fucking tail, yeah. and goddamn it. It was great for the market. And I say God needs the devil. No, I'd like to think they were the devil. We were God. But the point being is, yeah. they fought hard. We fought extra hard. They raised it. We fucking answered. Yeah. And and that made it great for the category because yeah. when we came yeah. in, the category kind of softened up. Yeah. We came in and brought a bunch of fucking energy to the category, which was great for retail, great for our fucking rivalries, great for business. And again, my whole mentality was always, and to this day, hey, man, I don't want their kids to go hungry. I just want my kids to eat better. Yeah. It's fucking pirate code shit. Yeah. I respect that. But the one thing I never did as a brand, and, and any time we were going down the road with some ideas within the business, I was always like, the one thing we will not do is we're not going to bite our fucking competitors. And I know that, and I'm not calling any brand out particularly, but I can tell you that there was brands that didn't have that fucking same level of shame yeah. because I'm like, dude, yeah. like, how can you do that? Like, clearly we were fucking there. And now you're trying to, like, I just always thought that that was kind of shitty. And it was it's something the, I was too proud to do. It's flattery, though, right. right? Yeah, absolutely. And what, what really pisses me off is when they do it better than us and fucking cash in. <laughs> but the point being is, is that, um, that the Von Zipper thing, look, it took me a long time to be comfortable with being the president or being the founder because, God damn it, it was only as good as the team was, and I never took any of the credit. I, I don't want any of it. Whoever fucking stood up and came up with the right idea, we were running. I was never going to claim that yeah. idea, but but I know this, that I was going to benefit from a good idea, so they're all accepted, even yeah. today. Yeah. And so so um, through all the bullshit, I've, I've always had a little... I've always been a little insecure to like trying to I'm the founder of the fucking Von Zipper. Like, I don't want anybody to, to like, it's like me showing up in a Porsche. I don't want people to judge me because I showed up in a Porsche or, or judge me because I'm like, I'm the founder. Fuck no, dude. I'm, I might be the embodiment of the brand only because all I want to do was smoke a dime bag and I'm going to sell one. That's how it fucking worked. Yeah. I just wanted to perpetuate my hobbies. And what better than that from a fucking 12-year-old stealing his old fucking man's Ray-Ban aviators to then going around the fucking world and wait, is it snowing? Where are we going? Wait, is it fucking four-foot and glassy? Fucking great. Wait, you want a fucking dirt track? Fucking, I'm backing that thing in. Like, where are we going? Yeah. Like, so for me, it was all just an extension of the shit that I was going to do. And I've told this to a thousand people a million times is... 
is, look, man, I probably could have made more money fucking selling goddamn real estate or fucking a car or, or fuck, I probably was only capable of flipping a burger. But all I want to do is chase the fucking shit I was into. Yeah. So and and we're, we're, we're kids at heart. And, passion. And, dude, yeah. and I know we're looking across the table at you guys. God damn it, you guys probably could have been fucking neurosurgeons for all I fucking know. But the point being is, all you want to do is catch another wave on the south side. And all you want to do is get out front skis and fucking rip Taco Bell Reef, whatever it was. Yeah. Like, that's it, you know? And yeah. so, and, and quite frankly, Von Zipper and all the brands along the way have been those platforms yeah. for that. And, and, and I'm super grateful for that. I will never, ever, 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 like, yeah, I could have probably gotten a bigger house in the hill. I don't need one. Yeah, I could probably use a bigger garage with all motor shit I got in there. <laughs> but, but you know, and again, yeah, I probably could have bought that front lot at fucking V-Land, but I didn't need it. I just want to be debt-free and be able to fucking jump in my sailboat and fucking go. Like, that's it. Yeah. You have a sailboat? I do. <laughs> you want to go? Hey, it's a Santana 525, man. And I'm telling you, I'm always looking for people to come because, fuck, man, that's another thing. When, the, when it's fucking blowing the fuck out, dude, let's jump in my fucking sailboat. It's so right, much fun. GT, we're, we're coming up on your I know. heart out. I, I don't know if but I can stop. I, I, I want to talk about... Your heart out. Your heart out. <laughs> yeah, hard on for my heart out. Trust me, I got an ELT meeting. and uh, ELT is an executive leadership team meeting that, quite frankly, I am so stoked to be considered to be on one of those things. But... That's not what I show up to do. I'd rather ship a box of fucking Mason, all right? Because <laughs> then I know he's going to go out and do some rad shit. But go okay. on. I wanted to talk about your relationship with with basketball. Oh, shit. Lakers. Oh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's my require fucking. Because we are. We're basketball fans. We're Laker fans. Fucking. Like, do we bleed fucking purple and gold oh, or yeah. what? All right. Okay. So, so. Here it be, I do believe purple and gold, and you know that, LC, because it was a lot of fun when when we're winning. It's so much fun to talk shit with the people that talk shit that hate the Lakers. At the same time, it's super fun to talk fucking teams and trades and hey, fucking Dame Jones, what like what do you think? Is he gonna fucking make the ten day contract? You know, like dude, this is fucking real shit. And goddamn it, I damn near threw my remote at the TV last night when they lost to the Suns. Like I was fucking pissed. And goddamn it, we didn't have it. But when Booker fouled out last night, I thought maybe we fucking might have a shot at it. God damn it, get over the fucking hump, play some fucking defense. But anyways, so so but I love basketball. Yeah. And, and by the way. I can't fucking dribble one to save my goddamn life, yeah. all right? And Same I will here. dribble one off my foot, and I might hit a fucking free throw, but probably not. I coach my kids' fucking NJB basketball teams, won a few championships, even brought, came second in the state one year off of me wow. coaching, off, off a fucking, off of 10 thumbs coaching. But all, again, all I did was made them believe, and they overachieved, and it what? was all time. By the way, okay, really quick. Fun. The, the team, The team that we beat, my, my oldest son's, would have been his eighth grade because he was going to be a freshman. His eighth grade team, I was the coach. We took it to the Cal State Championships. We lost to Rancho Santa Margarita, which Clay Thompson was on that team. Just so we, <laughs> yeah. So just so you get put some yeah, perspective on. Yeah. Okay. So anyways, so um, so I grew up listening to the Lakers and watching the games with my parents, as every Southern Californian yeah. did. Okay. Chick Hearn, my man. Oh. Stu Lance. My man, two people I've met, and that again, and and some of the laundry list of people I've met, those guys fucking rank, man. Yeah. They fucking rank. Like, dude, anybody who lived in Southern California through the Showtime era, that was the sound of summer, man. Oh. Like, like, dude, that shit was the, on the transistor transistor radio oh, on the beach. Se- was it nine seventy? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, five seventy, wasn't it? Five, five, five seventy. Sorry, five seventy. Yeah. yeah, but but the point being is, oh. wherever you were. 
If it was a hot, hot summer day and they were in the fucking playoffs, that shit was going on the radio. If it was a nationally televised game, you would turn the fucking volume off the TV and put it on the yeah. fucking radio so you could hear Chicken Stew's call. That was it. That was it. And so I got involved with the Lakers, or I got, I got, 79 was when I first got onto the Lakers, and I believe that was the year Magic came onto the team. And I fell in love. And they were still, I think it was last year at the Forum, and, and man, those guys, again, as I probably said all along, I just love incredible people doing amazing things. Yeah. And God damn it, Magic, Kareem, James Worthy, uh, fucking um, uh, Jamal Wilkes, uh, Coop, um, fuck uh, Rambus. Um, how deep we're, you know, like, like again, I mean, and this is 8,000 years ago and about 5 million fucking bong hits. Like, they, <laughs> these are things I remember clearly, right? Dancing Barry at this forum, the whole bit. So, so we went through all that and I was a fucking fan. And again, love to talk shit. Celtics fan, fucking line up. Let's talk, you know? Yeah. And not in an unfriendly way. Because yeah. God damn it, God need the devil. Magic needed Larry Bird. The NBA needed Larry Bird and Magic's rivalry. Like, yeah. Dennis Johnson, I hated that fucking guy. Yeah. Fucking Parrish, fuck him. Mikhail, yeah. I'll sock him to this day if he walked in the room. <laughs> but God damn it, was that the best thing ever? Oh, like, thank God. And, and quite frankly, if anybody talks shit on Larry Bird, me being a diehard Laker fan, I'd be like, fuck you, dude. That guy's one of the greatest players to ever fucking live. Ever. He made the Lakers... The Lakers. Yeah. As much as Magic made the Celtics. Yeah. Well, yeah. maybe not. I mean, Bill Russell, you could say. But anyways, but you, you, you know, although, uh, but it was, so we lived through that. Yeah. So fast forward to kind of some of the doldrum years where, I mean, it's hard, man. When you think about like the Celtics or the Lakers or any team, the Spurs, any of those teams that go on those big runs. Hey, man, once dynasties. you go through those dynasties, it's, yeah. oh, man, it takes 10 years to come back. Yeah. And, and that was what was always so incredible about the Lakers is they had these incredible dynasties and they never really had a lot of downtime in between their big runs again. That, um, that, what, that couple of years uh, when we used to watch it at his house. Vlade. Thank you, Vlade. Thank you, Vlade. Come on, Kobe. Come on in. Fuck Vlade, man. Come on in, Kobe. Let's do this. Come on, Vlade. So, just... Oh, no. Sadell 3. Hey, dude. Gasol. Hey, Sadell 3. I love Gasol. Don't fuck with Gasol. I know, but you know what I mean. Goose. Don't fuck with Goose, man. Eddie Jones. Come on, dude. Take a hit. Smush Parker. Smush Parker. Who was... The little fucking point guard in the for a minute there, not Smush before Smush, um, and he was good. Um, not Tyrone Lou. No, no, fuck, no, no, no. Oh, no. Um, uh, dang. Anyways, I can see his face and I can't remember. But anyways, so yeah. we go through this doldrum time here. Well, anyways, so Southern California summer, Salt Creek, fucking Pat Allen, fuck me, all the boys lounging at the beach, you know, midsummer shit, and boom, this chick, fuck ahead of her time type shit. Comes walking up the fucking beach, orange fucking high waisted G string thing, well before G strings were kind of normal. And there's fucking eight of the boys fucking laying Peter in a circle talking <laughs> shit. She walks right up to it and singles me out. She's like, hey, I'm new in it. Like a South Carolina accent. Hey, I'm new in town. I'm looking for something to do. And I'm what? like, and I'm a. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I'll be your tour guide. <laughs> well, I said, oh, it just so happens I'm having a party tonight. <laughs> of course you are. Which is true. Because <laughs> at that time, we had the house in Dana Point, and that's where it always happened. Every night. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, man, come party tonight. Now, mind you, and this is, this, this has to be made clear, I was, I think I was, my old lady was pregnant with my first kid at that point. 
maybe our second. I can't remember which, but it's probably my first. And so, so, and I was, I mean, I married her for a reason. I'm faithful to a fault. That, that, so, but so I'm like, dude, one of the boys is gonna yeah. fucking, dude. It like, ain't no fun if your homies can't have any. And, and I'm talking <laughs> beauty, like yeah. exceptionally pretty. And so, so she shows up, and it's on. And you know, and again, and I, I'm I'm nice to her and stuff, introducing to everybody, and she kind of aligns up with one of my roommates. But it wasn't. Um, they weren't ever a thing. They just became kind of best buddies, right? Mm. So she started being around all the time. But she was always an enigma. Nobody really knew what her fucking deal was, right? I didn't know where she lived. I only knew her name. Her name was Tish. And I'm like, you know, but we never knew, like, what her deal she is. did, what she, yeah. What's her background? So one day, one, so this might have been two, three years. Who the fuck knows how long? Well, anyways... At one point, she calls, and we were really close friends, and I was still with my old lady. I probably had two kids at that point. And she calls one day, fucking broken up. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, totally fucking losing it. I'm like, babe, what's wrong? Like, fuck, man, are you okay? Like, what can I do? And she's like, you can't believe it. It's such terrible news, but you'll find out tomorrow, but I can't tell you. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck, right? Yeah. So the next day... You know, it's kind of a normal day, and it turns out that that happened to be the day that Magic announced that he had AIDS. Oh wow! But I so didn't. This is way I, back. I didn't have any. I didn't have any. Magic getting AIDS torpedoed my whole fucking thing. He's my yeah. fucking hero. But it didn't have any connection to her. Like I didn't. So so anyway, so that night she comes over to visit my roommate, and she's like, "Oh my god, so did you hear the news?" And I'm like. I'm like, yeah, what the fuck? What, what was so gnarly yesterday, dude? And she was like, she's like, well, Magic got AIDS. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like. What does that have to do well, with yeah, you? Well, yeah, like, I don't get it. You're like a hot babe from North, South Carolina she's or whatever. No, turns out that Tish was Tish Buss, married to Jim Buss, son of Jerry Buss, who is the owner of the fucking Lakers, all Whoa. right? And apparently Jim and, and Tish were going through some things in their relationship, but they lived in, in at um, in the Gell Shores, which is the, the the beachfront houses right in front of Strands, which is the beach just south of Salt Creek. So hence how she ended up at Salt Creek was blah 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 blah. How she met me was she saw me on the beach and blah 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 blah. And so I'm like, wait a minute. You're Jerry. You're 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 a bus. And she's like, yeah, my 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 husband. We're kind of going through a rough patch, but blah 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 blah. And I'm like, fuck off. <laughs> I'm like, you realize that like. I'm like probably the biggest Lakers fan you know. Yeah. And she's like, well, I know that. That's why I called you yesterday about magic, but I couldn't tell you because blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I'm like, mother, shut the fucking front door. Yeah. You could say motherfucker. I know. I've, I've said it about 500 times on this podcast. So anyways, so from that, Tish was, Tish was always around. And I got to be honest with you, at that point, we talk a little bit of Lakers, but again, it was in kind of a flat time frame for them. So, and again, I think she had ended up leaving Jim for a period. She she ended up dating a dude, having a couple kids that I knew the dude. So we were always friendly. I knew her, like I knew her and I knew him and whatever. And then at the point where her kids were probably a little bit older, she kind of recircled around. I think they, they, her baby daddy got had a rough patch. But anyways, she kind of, um, Jim was always, Jim and her were always super close, even when she was having kids with other people. 
i.e. her kids took a bus last name even though the dad was wow. Um, wow. was a different last name. Yeah. But Jim is really fucking rad. And so at one point, they her second dude kind of whatevs, but Tish was always kind of a fixture in and around. But at the point where her her baby daddy and them got a little estranged, she was living in the shores and she kind of recircled back around to the point where her kids were a little older. And so she started inviting me to games. And so... So going to a Laker game with the buses, is that um, <laughs> parking under the, the you know parking under Staples Center, walking through the tunnel, going into the Governor's Club. Uh, some games we'd sit in the restaurant. Some games we sit in the buses box. Some games they would just give me tickets. You know, like shit. There was a run there. I think you might have gave me tickets one time. Uh, probably because I there was like, hey, it's four o'clock. You want some tickets? Like fuck, I can't go. Oh. But that's what it was like. And. Um, and so in that run of those kind of Kobe, that was right around when Kobe and Shaq started hitting their stride. So in that Kobe-Shaq run up until um, maybe, well, I guess a couple of the pal Kobe of runs. Um, fuck, man, if there's 41 home games in a season plus playoffs, shit, I was probably going to 45 games a season. Yeah. Like I was up there fucking, I, there wasn't many games I missed. And so through that, I became kind of buddies with Jim, and which was super rad because, I mean, there's times like Tish would call and say like, hey, um, my kids, um, we're going snowboarding. Can you help me set up their snowboards? I'd be like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'll be right over. They're fucking five minutes away from my house. I mean, yeah. they're, they're in the rich kid neighborhood, but whatever. Like, call me through the gate, you know? Yeah. And so I'd set up their snowboards, and Jim would be around. And so, I, and I'll tell you, there, there was a couple interesting ones where, um, okay, it must have been the year that Shaq, the Shaq Kobe breakup year. I came over. It was off season. Kobe Shaq year, and I happened to show up to do something. And Jim had all this shit everywhere, and he was trying to strategize. Okay, with Shaq's money, Jermaine O'Neal was available. Kevin Garnett was available. He had all of his permutations and player ratings and shit wow. on this fucking table. And he's like, "So GT, what do you think?" And I'm like. Dude, are you kidding me? I, like, I, like, I'm the guy who's like coaching my kid's seventh grade basketball team. You're asking me what I think. But it was super rad that he's laying out all these different permits. If we do this, we're going to be 10 million over cap. If I do this, it's 20 million over cap. So he was doing all these fucking permutations, combinations, which oh I think might have been the end up how they got pow. That might have been that where they ended up. I, I thought you were going to say, hey, get rid of Shaq, get pow. Yeah. <laughs> no. But I have a funny one like that. So then, so then. Through that, Jim and I became kind of buddies too, and I was going to the games with Tish. But if Jim was around, we'd be hanging. Like I, I was married. Like there was no, like he never was threatened by me. Yeah. And nor should he be. And I love their daughters. I still do. Yeah. They're fucking awesome people, and they were so generous. And so through that, um, so through that, um, going to a fuck ton of games. And like I said, some games, um, like I'd sit in the box, and I'd met Jerry a couple times. The, oh, it, it, like, and it does serve to know the first time I met Jerry. I think it might have been his birthday after a game. And I was with Tish and the girls. So she's like, hey, do you mind? It's Jerry's birthday. We're going to have a little thing for him after the game. Do you mind? Like, sorry, you don't mind if we can stay a little later? I'm like, are you kidding me? Fuck yeah, I want to go to Jerry's birthday party. Yeah, right. So so we did a little thing afterwards. And I met Jerry that night. So, you know, Tish might have introduced me to him. And I... Um, uh, Jerry, this is GT. Um, oh, this is his son, Miles, because Miles was the benefit of going to the majority of the games. For sure. Um, but, but um, oh, this is Miles, and this is GT, and we go to a lot of games, and he's really kind, their daughters love him. And so Jerry and I made some small talk, really nice guy. 
And I was like, fuck, that's rad, man. Fucking Jerry Bust. Yeah. Like, like fuck, I believe purple and gold, man. Dude. Like, like, like man, it's, part, it's like part of being an Angelino, man. Yeah. You know, like, or Southern California. So I was like, that's really fucking neat. So if you fast forward, maybe in the next season, one of the games, I never really liked sitting in there, the box, because it yeah. was always a little bit up. And I, I like to be down in the seats and I, I, I like to be yelling at the players and I like to be close to the game if yeah. it's at all possible but get me in the game I don't care if I'm sitting in the fucking the highest seat in the building or in the restaurant I'm in I'm like, in yeah. so so anyways so one particular game um, the next season we get to Jerry's box and um, and he had the double wide box and so one side was always kind of Jerry's the other side was Jerry's kind of whoever he invited and that particular night he invited Hugh Hefner and the Playmates that's not the true story so it was just kind of fun. There's a bunch of cute little fucking playmates and shit, right? And he and you, Hefner. It's kind of neat. Well, anyways, that game, and, and it's funny because because in his, he had like a concierge guy, his boss, his security guy, Jerry's guy, kind of who run the show was like, okay, GT, good, you know, I was on the list. So he's like, hey, GT, good to meet you. Okay, Miles, all right. Hey, man, room's yours, food, whatever you want, to have at it. And he's like, however, do me one favor, okay? Um... When Jerry comes, whoever he brings with him, female-wise, don't talk to him. And I'm like, okay. So sure enough, Jerry shows up and he has two um, two lovely ladies with him, you know. And it's like, okay, don't fucking talk to them. Anyways, at one point, Jerry Jerry comes walking and he sees me and he's like, ah, oh, hey GT, how you doing? Hey, how's that boy of yours? This was six months, easily six months later. Now somebody might have whispered in his ear who the fuck was going to be in that room yeah. that night. For but sure. but trust me, I saw him come in. He came straight to me and fucking and, and GT'd me. Yeah. And I was like, you're GT. And I was like, that dude is the raddest motherfucker in the world to remember me, to That's ask me about yeah. my kid. And then so he's like, hey, you know, come down, and sit with me and Jim. You know, we'll watch we'll watch the game together. So I sat front row in his box, and I, so Jim's on one side, Jerry's on the other, and they're talking fucking strategy and trades coming up and shit and fucking box scores and shit. And I'm just kind of. Ping pong in between those two dudes, just going, is this fucking real? Like, what? Where, where, where the fuck am I? They're playing yeah. a billion dollar chess matches, like one hundred percent. You know, with okay. And at that point, Jerry, shades. Jerry, Jerry had. You know, it's funny because Jim never wore shades. And so, anyways, so so at that point, Jim really was kind of running the team, and Jerry was kind of flying at about sixty thousand feet. Jim was probably at about thirty. And Jerry and Jim never got the credit that. Don't get me wrong. Jerry West orchestrated a lot of shit. Mitch Kupchak orchestrated a lot of shit, but don't think they made any fucking moves without having Boss. Jim or Jerry's fucking approval on that For shit. Sure. All right, and and, and it's it pisses me off that Jerry or not Jerry, Jim kind of got written written off, and it's it's unfortunate because I know some of the internal shit that went on there. Yeah. That it's unfortunate because Jim was like, listen, man, he might have grown up playing ponies and doing this shit, but once he fucking got you know his mind behind strategy and shit, he fucking understood it, yeah. and he put the right players in fucking play. Yeah. Like, you know, bringing Powell on. Again, remember that Remember that trade that got blocked? I think it was Chris Paul and Dwight Howard that got blocked. Or yeah. Like, Jim organized all that shit, all right? Like, you know, we ended up with Steve Nash that season, I think, because of that, you know, but the NBA blocked that trade. Remember yeah, that shit? Yeah. Jim organized all that shit. Now, that doesn't mean that Mitch Kupchak didn't too. have a fucking, have a say in it, but Jim was the one who was like, Initiated. orchestrate and now get this done, yeah. right? So anyways, so I got this kind of de facto relationship with these guys, and so I ended up, um, fuck, man, okay, um, the Carl Malone year, remember? Oh, okay, yeah, that Carl Malone, Gary Payton season yeah. where, where we lost to the Pistons? Yeah. Dude, I was in Detroit for yeah. game four and five. 
All right. I think I texted with you Homie, during that. I was probably, I yeah. walked in that building head to toe fucking Lakers kit. You want to talk about fearing Rodman for your was fuck? On the team too, right? Was that Rodman? I think yet? Rodman. No, no. Uh, Sally. John. Oh, no, John no. Sally was an X. John Sally was X, because that's funny. No, it was. Uh, uh, but it was. Ben but, Malone, but it was Peyton ben, Malone. Ben. Um, fucking. Um, Gary Payton. Um, fucking. Um, um, Us. The, the bummer is. The bummer is yeah. that all I remember was this: that everybody kind of got hurt. I think wasn't Andrew the Tin Man on that fucking team? Um, the rookie, the big center rookie that kind of failed oh, a little yeah, bit. The, the, I the, think he was on that team and he was playable, but the he, European guy. He, no, 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 no. He was the fucking. Um, oh, Andrew Bynum? Bynum. I okay. think Bynum was on that team. He got hurt early in the playoffs and the Lakers doctor gave him a green light, but he didn't want to play because he was afraid for his contract and all this shit. Anyways, Carl Malone fucking played and he played hurt and kind of valiant effort, but we just didn't pull it off. Yeah. Anyways, motherfucker, game four, I go in that fucking building, we lose. I'm fucking Lakers kitted head to fucking toe. And trust me, go go take a piss in another team's uniform in fucking Detroit. Yeah. All right? Yeah. <laughs> it was serious. All right? But if I struck a conversation, like I'm getting a beer and I was in line and somebody's like, dude, what the fuck, Lakers? Like, fuck you. I'd be like, yeah, dude, I'm fucking from LA. I'm fucking here to root my team the same way you'd fucking do it in your town. And they'd love me. Like, they're like, fuck yeah, dude, that's rad. Fucking sticking up for your team, right? Yeah. So then... <laughs> Game five, game five. Yeah, that, remember that's the fucking stadium that fucking Ron Ron fucking cleared the fucking bench and oh, fucking dude. fought people in the crowd. Yeah, that that Detroit. Yeah. Okay. Is it called the Meadowlands? No, it it's um. Oh, it'll come to me. So, anyways, so game five, we fucking lose, and at the start there was Laker jerseys. Remember, um, who's the who's the dude who played Debo and and Friday? Remember that dude? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so Debo he was there. Debo was there sitting courtside in a Lakers kit. And it was obvious we probably lost by 20 that game. And it was a closeout. I remember Debo took off his shit probably with about fucking five minutes to go or in the fourth quarter. Like Debo was on the court fucking cheering Lakers. And when he knew the fucking tide was turned, he put that shit in his back pocket. I fucking didn't. Yeah. I fucking walked out of that building and fucking wore it. You know what I mean? I'm like, fuck. Like, okay, we'll see you fuckers next year then. You know, like, like what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, dude, and there was some threats, and I was scared, but it's like, fuck, man, I stand behind my team. Like, fuck yeah. you. Who'd you, know? you go with? What is fucking it was funny because it team? aligned with that trip, aligned with some business that, again, through the buses, they sorted me out, but I actually was, I, I was actually back there doing business for Sunglass Hut for Von Zipper, so I stayed over. They were in, like, Ohio, so I flew in to game four, yeah. saw the game, drew up the next day to Ohio to see Sunglass Hut. Drew back, drove back, and then saw again the next night and then flew home. And it's funny because I flew home the next morning and John Sally was on our flight, who, by the way, John Sally did win a title with the Lakers, yeah. but he won a couple with the bad boys yeah. version. He was and bad so, boy. And he was like, fuck the Lakers. This was my team. He was super hammered. Cause, and I happened to sit right across the seat. You know, We were aisle to aisle. So I'm like, damn, dude, you're fucking choosing sides. He's like... There, there ain't no side. I'm fucking a piston for life, you know? Like, no joke. And I was like, fuck you, dude. You know, like, whatever. But he was a rad, and he had a good yeah, sense of humor. He was awesome. For sure. So anyways, so then um, through another run, I think it was when that, that Phoenix, remember the Phoenix team was pretty hot in that window, with the like the Nash kind of era of Phoenix. And so I flew on the team plane one time. You wow. got to fly on the plane? Jerry? A couple times, yeah. Jerry's plane? So, well, it's the champion air. Um, so anyways... So Jim invites me to go on the plane. We fly to Arizona for one of the, the playoff games against the Suns. And um, 
And this was when Smush, Smush, Smush Parker was at point guard. And um, God damn, I keep on... I, the fucking other point guard predates Smush, keeps on coming Shannon to my... Shannon Brown. No, no, no. But Shannon Brown was... He, he was kind of more of a two. Um, God damn. Neely, Peely. Peel. Uh, okay, anyways. So we go, we go to... We go to... And mind you, okay, Smush at that point was like league minimum, you know, 800 grand a year point guard yeah. for the Lakers, right? And that might have been their deficit position to kind of hold them back. And so we ended up losing that game. It's 2 o'clock. Okay, two I, I'm, gonna, I'm running because we got to finish the okay. story. So, sorry, ELT meeting. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, um, we're driving back. Lakers lose. Oh, shit. We're driving back from the stadium to the hotel. Yeah, I hope you guys eat. Now, just because I'm not, don't you guys? I'm going to eat pot of sushi. Yeah. Give me this amazing. Um, we're driving back from... The, wherever the Suns played the venue to I think we stayed at the Ritz on that trip which didn't suck and Jim's fucking pissed oh. and so so Jim Jim and Tish were going back and forth about about the loss and I'm sitting in the back seat and I was all I was all really so Jim there was a pause in the action I'm like really Jim it boils down to fuck man Smush is disengaged I'm like, dude, I'm watching him. I'm like, I'm like. <laughs> hey, I'm, I coach my fucking. Uh, yeah, oh, hey, homie. Great basketball team. No, no I'm this like. What I do. No, well, no, we're. No, hey, you, you see. As yeah. much as much as Tish could give input. Yeah. Like, you know, they, he's just venting. So I just responded by saying, yeah, you know, the bummer is, it looks like, you know, Smush just isn't engaged. And I'm like, mind you, I realize you're kind of getting what you pay for in a league minimum point guard, but dude, you guys are calling timeouts and he's not sitting in the huddles. I'm like, Whoa. he's on his own program. Oh, you're watching. Fuck, duh. Yeah. I'm a fucking fan. Yeah. And so, so anyways, so at that point, Jim fucking hits the brakes and kind of makes us all nod forward. He's like, God damn it. You're right. I'm fucking firing smush. And I'm all, I'm all, dude, don't fucking fire smush over I my don't want shit that dog my... yeah don't fuck toy with my motions ricky fucking bobby i'm like what the fuck are you, wait what and it's always super funny and so so through that i've had a few experiences where like me and jim a couple times we rode the train up to the games you know from from san juan capistrano we could just take it to downtown union square yeah and then he'd just get a car over all right again one of the breakups between him one of the years that him and the Lakers and Phil broke up, we were talking about coaches the fucking way up and who's available and on the way home. And like, he was just spitballing and he knew I was engaged enough to fucking have an, have an opinion. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I think, and it wasn't the name I brought up, he ended up, that was the brief stint we had with Rudy Tomjanovich. Came off the backside of that oh, conversation. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, through all that shit, okay, cause sorry. So through all that shit, hey man, I fucking laid witness to fucking greatness again. Fuck, maybe five, six titles with the Lakers. I went to a lot of them, flew on the team plane, fucking hung out with the buses, was under the fucking bridge, was high-fiving fucking Shaq, fucking met fucking Kobe. Like, dude, like, like, man, like, you know, L.O.? L.O. was my fucking jam. You know what I mean? Like, these were, my, these were my people. Pal Gasol, the most fucking awesome guy. Sasha Vujicic, like, what do you want to talk oh about? Oh, my God. The machine. So, so anyways, um, um, that was the golden. That was super fun. Right. And so from that, one of the championships, they invited me to to ride up on the bus um, to you go were on the on parade. The bus for yeah. The... yeah, I was on Magic's bus for the parade. 
I rode with Magic. Me and Magic were bullshitting the whole fucking way. We're fucking waving to people, going down fucking, um, what is that, Figueroa Boulevard? Like all the way to the fucking, all the way to um, to the Coliseum. Fuck, man, I was I was on the stage when they accepted their fucking trophies. Like, dude, I got photos. Look at my fucking Facebook. I got photos of like Kobe fucking, st- I, I couldn't have been more than 20 feet away from him as he's fucking holding this trophy. GT's like, got key to the city for sure. And, and, <laughs> and, and so, but here's the point. Yeah. Again, make no mistake about it. I am not bragging. I'm just telling you, I'm the goofy Forrest Gump motherfucker that got in. And it was by no fucking devious means. It's just fucking funny, right? Dude, I thought I was cool getting to sit in the fucking... Dave Ortiz seats. <laughs> so anyways. You're nothing, Lennon. Yes, you are. You're every fucking thing, bro. So anyways. <laughs> so so fast forward to that. We won a few titles, and that was super rad. Um, one of the years, Kobe, Kobe won the MVP one of the years. Um, it just so happened that they were, Kobe was got the MVP award right at the, what's that airport? The Marriott right there on Century, right by the airport. I got invited to that. And it just so happened it was the day I was going to Chopu. So like Tish brought me up to Kobe's fucking award presentation with my surfboards on her fucking roof to go to Chopu. I fucking went and watched Kobe get his fucking trophy, the Naismith trophy. And fucking she dropped me off at fucking gate six. Fuck, or no, sorry, term, Tom Bradley Terminal 3. And I jumped on a plane to fucking Tahiti. Like that's fucking the shit that we kind of came together. Who else? So, so then, on this fucking but, but how, how fucking weird is it that the very day I was going to go to Chopu, that was the day that Kobe got his fucking day. Like it that, just happened. The timing is impeccable. It's just coincidental and weird. Yeah. So, and, and again, I think I posted some photos on that on Facebook cause that predates Instagram. So anyways, so then, you know, all 13 followers on Facebook that I have probably, <laughs> which is only, only 10 more than what I have on Instagram. But anyways, so, so. So then we fast forward to Jerry's passing. And so Jerry, like I said, Jerry's a fucking rad guy, man. Right. And everybody in Southern California kind of owes just a fucking pour one out for that dude. He is just the raddest guy. So rad. And, um, you know, between the Kings, the Forum, Staples. Yeah, just like, putting dude, he, LA on the map He, he really did. Sport. He really did. And, and, I mean, again, he painted a he, – he had a lot to do with the fabric of – of LA, in my opinion, SoCal. And so um, it was known that Jerry's health was a bit, because again, Jim was taking more over the basketball ops and he wasn't around as much. And and so, so anyways, but they didn't talk about much. So I, I never knew how, what the condition was. Yeah. So anyways, so, um, so I, you know what? I remember what spurred it. So from the Coliseum trophy presentation i had put up a photo i was standing on the stage and i shot this i shot it from the stage out to the crowd and like the whole coliseum was filled fans everywhere and i posted that and i and i said something to the effect i paid tribute to jerry bus who else could have made this happen other than jerry bus he is my hero or something i said something to that yeah. effect and i at the time tish saw that and was like oh my god GT, that was such a nice sentiment. Da, 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 da. You posted that after the death. Uh, no, 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 no. I posted that before. I probably posted that. That might have been two years before Jerry passed. Okay. But they remembered. She remembered. <clears throat> so when Jerry subsequently passed, she calls me one day. So I was aware that she 
they passed. And so I texted Jim and her and I gave them my condolences. And, and again, I truly I yeah. was enamored with Jerry. And, you know, so I, it, was, it was a bummer because I felt like I knew him, even though I met him probably two, three fucking handful of times. You know, I just, you know, like, dude, like he had meaning to my life. You know, my family, my my kids, me, like some For of my sure. greatest experiences were through the fucking Laker experience. Right. So anyways, so so at the point when Jerry died, Tish, I texted them and then Tish called me and she was like, hey, um, um, we were talking. Um, we're doing a thing at L.A. Live to, to commemorate um, Jerry's passing. It's kind of team and family. Um, you know, we're going to keep it kind of relatively close, but we'd like to invite you. And I was like, I was like, oh my God. I'm like, Tish, you know me, I would totally like to go, but listen, man, if you got to give up my seat to some dignitary, like, like, dude, I, I like, dude, don't, she's like, oh no, 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 no. Jerry loved you. Um, we want you to be with us. And I'm like, okay. And I said, God, I feel like a fuck face to ask this. But do you mind if I bring one of my kids? Because Miles was at every game that yeah. I was at, my yeah. oldest son. And she's like, oh, he's already on the list too. And I was like, okay, God, I really appreciate it. And I said, Miles. so let's say this was a Tuesday. So I'm like, and the thing was on Thursday. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, but listen, Tish, just so you know, if something changes and you got to pull the plug on me, just know if somebody needs to take my seat, Miles' seat, I will hand it over to you. Like, dude, just, yeah. just the Doing fact the of the invite, yeah. just the invite alone, means everything to me. So I totally understand. So so homegirl calls me the next day. Now it's Wednesday. She calls me the next day and she's like, hey, GT, um, Jim and I were just talking and um, each family member um, has been asked to speak to tribute their dad. And we've also, um, we also have some of the former players um, that were kind of lining to say a word on behalf of Jerry or to tribute Jerry. And I said, oh, that's fucking sick. Right on. And she's like, well, actually, Jim and I were talking. Jim would like you to do it. And I'm like, what the fuck? What? And at first. I'm getting choked up right right And I'm like, I'm like, wait, what? And I'm like, Tish, I'm like, first and foremost, do you understand what you're asking me to do? Like, I'm like, I don't think you're fully like, 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 do you understand? I'm like, by the way, you would think I was so freaked and, out. Yeah, I yeah. was so freaked out when my grandma died. I couldn't speak at her funeral and she was like the second greatest woman in my life. And you want me to speak at Jerry's thing? I'm like, nah, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. And I said, furthermore, in order for me to even consider doing something like that, I need to hear that from Jim. Cause I just, I'm not comfortable with it. Yeah. So at that point, Jim gets on the phone and he's like, oh no, GT, seriously, Jim, my dad loved you. And he talked about you. And um, and you're such a free spirit, and we just think you would be a great addition to the speeches. Wow. And I'm like, Jim, I can't speak for you. And he's like, he's like, I'm Please. not expecting you to. And I'm like, okay, Jim, let what me think about it? this. I'm not comfortable with this, but let me just think about it a little bit because I got to like, what the fuck? We got to wrap your head around what the hell you're gonna say. Right. Like- so. So I said millions and millions of people. Well, at the uh, the the LA Live thing was, uh, you know, it was family and friends and kind of close NBA people. So I mean, the audience there, I I, at that point I didn't know how many people were going to be there, but but I you know whatever. It was broadcasted, wasn't it? Pretty much on every fucking station. That's what I'm saying. Millions and millions of people are. But I didn't know that. (laughs) At least I didn't think about that. Of course you did it, but 
So I was like, oh, fuck. So I'm putting some thoughts to it. And I, so I call him back maybe a half hour later. Did you reach out to anybody and bounce no. idea? You just no. Go, I, well, I called Jim back immediately. Yeah. Or maybe not immediately. I thought about it for a while and I said, okay. So I called Jim and I said, hey, man. All right. I can't speak for you, dude. However, if it's okay, I'll speak coming from a fan. Yeah. And he's like, that's sick. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. So I'm going to, I'll write something. You approve it. And I'll speak as a, as a, as a, as a Southern Californian that grew up with the Lakers. That's my perspective. Awesome. And so, so I wrote, I wrote this thing and, you know, I introduced myself as that. I'm a fan and Hey man, I'm not qualified to like even be here. And you know, I'm just going to speak for the unsung people that sit in the three row 300 on the third fucking deck. And, and, you know, I can, I barely fucking dribble basketball and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, like I, 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 and I did say in my, which got cut, I had in my speech that I could probably shoot a better free throw than Shaq, <laughs> which Jim was like, I love everything. Just cut the line out about Shaq's free throws. That sort of God, that was the only edit he had. <laughs> So anyway, so I sent, it, I, I sent it to him as an email, yeah. and um, and he approved it with the exception of the Shaq comment. And he's like, all right, my people will contact you about the details of the day. So that was Wednesday, the day before, So because I, I believe it was a Thursday we did it. So anyways, so Laker people start calling me like, oh, okay, confirming your name. Okay, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay, um, you're going to meet. You know, if you're a Laker fan, you know this lady. The lady that kind of has the crew cut that you always see kind of behind the scenes. She always looks like she's wrangling somebody, maybe a little eggy. I can't remember her name. I do. I did then. Anyways, she's kind of the entertainment director for the Lakers who coordinates halftime shows, the cheerleaders. She was an L.A. Laker cheerleader first, and then she inherited. Yeah, but anyways, so she was kind of the, the wrangler. She's like, okay, on the day you're going to see this lady, and she's going to find you, and you're going to go, blah, 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 blah. Just check in with her when you get there. So me and Miles drive up. And by the way, so I wrote the speech. So I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I got to memorize this fucker, you know. And so I'm fucking studying it and studying it and memorizing it. And but you I wrote, wrote it the day before? Yeah. And I had a lot of fucking butterflies over it. And um, and I, I was really proud of what I wrote. But but the point being is it was fucking kind of nervy, you know. And again, I didn't even consider that it was going to run on KCAL or that it was going to run on all the LA AM yeah. stations and all that shit. I didn't think about that. I only thought about the moment. So we get there, Miles and I get there, and Miles probably was 12 or 13 at this point. We get there, and by the way, I had a purple, pant, purple pants on, purple shirt, purple tie, and then from one of my shopping sprees at the fucking L.A. thing, I had a, a Laker blazer that had the team jersey sewn on the inside. I don't know if you guys ever seen those. But so I showed up kind of buttoned up a little bit. But it was, it must have been... It's been April or May, so I was kind of suntan. It was the right time of year to do that shit, right? So anyways, <laughs> so I come in, fucking I'm presenting, and, you know, I tidied up a little bit. So I get there, and and we walk up. As people are kind of, you get to the thing and whatever. I checked in. I got our credentials or whatever to go in. And at the same time, they were handing out Jerry's, you know, eulogy and kind of memorance yeah. and kind of the order of the day. Yeah. The schedule. Right. Ones. And so so I opened it up and I'm reading it. And the, some of the speakers were, and I apologize if I forget some or get them out. Um, David Stern, commissioner of NBA. Um, um, Jim's older brother, Steve. Um, uh, Shaq. Uh, Phil Jackson. Magic. Um, Jerry West. 
Fuck, who am I forgetting? Um, but basically, any Laker fucking great. Yeah. Plus the commish. Kareem. I can't. I do. I can't recall. I don't think for some reason. I don't think Kareem spoke. Magic. Magic spoke. Yeah, and I think I said his name. Okay. So, anyways, so we walk in. So I'm reading this, and my name ain't on it. So I'm like, fuck, Miles. I don't got to do this. And I was so fucking relieved, right? So I'm like, my name's not on the flyer. I'm I'm out. They yeah. cut me. Not the first time Chris Morrow cut me. <laughs> so we walk in. We're second row, sitting with the family. Kobe, Steve Nash, players, everybody, they're behind us. I'm like, what? I turn around and like, they're like, like I'm, you know, it was Jim, Tish, the girls, like the liquor family. And, and I'm like, wait, what? What the fuck is going on here? We're like second fucking row. I'm like, I'm like, this ain't fucking real. Right. Wow. So I'm like, fuck. Okay. So I sit down. And at that point, I'm relieved as fuck. I'm going to suck this fucking thing in. And I don't got any obligation other than yeah. pay remembrance to somebody who I fucking held really high esteem. <laughs> so anyways, the crew cut lady sees me. Comes over, taps me on the shoulder, and she's kind of always eggy. I never really liked her. She's like, oh, are you, are you Greg Thomason? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, well, you're going to speak after Steve. Um, you know, so when Steve goes up, I want you. Or no, maybe I, st- maybe I spoke after David Stern. But anyways, and I apologize. I should know better. I can't remember if I went be- after Steve, before Stern. Maybe that's how it went. But the point being is. Somebody's like, up, you go out. She, you're like, as soon as he goes up, you go sit in that blank seat over there. That's the staging chair. You go up. As soon as he's done, he comes off. You go up, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm not. I'm, on like, the- I'm like, wait, I'm not on the thing. Like, wait. And she's like, oh, no, you're speaking. And I'm like, well, but I'm not on the. And she's like, you're speaking. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and so, because I had already been relieved. Like, I don't got to do this. Now talk about triple panic because at that point I'm like, okay, I don't got to memorize this shit anymore. <laughs> now you forgot everything. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I'm like, Miles, fuck, I got to go. So I went off into some side spot and just fucking crammed because we were there maybe an hour earlier or so. So I crammed, man. So sure enough, fucking homeboy, again, I think it was Jim's brother spoke first and then I got up. Actually, I think it went Jim. Okay, so if I remember correctly, Randy Newman sang. I think then Jim Hill, who was kind of playing. I Love L.A., Randy Newman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he didn't sing I Love L.A. It was the other one. It was, But it was a Brad tribute. And then Jim Hill was kind of the MC, said some words. Then I think it was Jim's brother. And again, I apologize if I say it's Steve and it's not. And then, um, and then I guess it was me. But I didn't get introduced. Jim Hill introduced Homeboy. And then we, the procession just started to go up one after another. So he did his piece. My turn comes up, and I'm like, okay. Just like everything else, first note when you're playing in a rock band or first drop in at fucking pipe, or once you're on, it's on. You know, yeah. like, you're, there ain't no fucking, hey, that train has left town, and you're fucking on, right? <laughs> so I get up there, and I kind of catch my breath for a second, and I roll into it. And I spoke from the heart. Yeah. And I memorized most of it. And I had, through the course of my speech, which might have been 10, 15 minutes, who the fuck knows, Dang. probably too long, um, people were laughing, people were crying. It was fucking rad. Like, as a speaker, and, and you, those who do it know that when people are receiving it, you can tell. Yeah. And they recept- it was receptive. Yeah. And I was really fucking proud. I was so, I, well, actually, proud's not the right word. I was fucking 
relieved. Yeah. You're, you're in awe of the so, whole thing. So I come off the stage. So again, maybe it was David Stern next. I come off. I go back into my seat. My kid's sitting there just like looking at me with this adulation that surpassed any adulation he'd ever given me. Yeah. And, and there's a lot because he's my partner in crime. All my kids are. But my mind was just, I could just see it in his face. What? You did good, the, Dad. The bus family was all crying. The people right behind us were all crying. Jim leans over and puts his hand on my leg and couldn't speak. You know, it was just like, I'm like, okay, I done good. Yeah. So we go through the whole fucking thing. And um, I'm kind of teared up right now. Yeah, no, it's fucking sick, dude. Like, uh, and again, I still have the cue cards. Like I have Jim's, I mean, I have Jerry's eulogy. I, I have that in a scrapbook or, you know, wherever. But actually that one I might have kept out. But the point being is, Again, I, I said it from the heart of the fan. That's, like, again, yeah. my whole point was, dude, Jerry created. Jerry is an, as much as Hollywood is an element of Southern California, the Lakers are an element of Southern Hell California. Yeah. And so, so as much as the sand on the beach is an element of Southern California, fucking Jerry Buss is an element of Southern California. The Lakers, without. the teams, that spirit of winning, you know, fuck the Celtics. That's everything. And that's what, and that's part of what I was talking about. I said it earlier that, hey, man, the beauty of the Lakers were, everybody hated the Lakers if you weren't a Laker fan. Yeah. But then again, it gave me a lot of shit to talk. My, my buddy, who I went to the Detroit Pistons game, he was a fucking Detroit fan. You don't think we were talking shit and always had side bets on who was winning? My, my Celtics fans, a couple of them were my employees. I'm like, I don't know if I can hire you if you're a Celtics fan. <laughs> but it gave us shit to talk about over lunch, right? But that's the beauty of it. So we finished the thing. And after the, after the, the kind of thing in L.A. Live... They were like immediately following where there's a bit of a reception over in one of the side buildings that everybody was joining. So I'm walking out with Miles and again, I'm following the buses and everybody else who was in our immediate group. And people are like slapping me on the back. I mean, I, the reason why I said I was in the purple outfit is I was pretty recognizable yeah. is yeah. what I was trying to say. So people were like, good job, buddy. That was rad. I'm getting high five the whole way. Wow. Okay, then we get into the reception and we're milling around. And it's funny because Miles, I think... Miles must have been a little older because I think he had a night class or something that we had to get back to. So, so, well, I was... I'll write you a note, son. We're right, staying. right. We were... <laughs> well, Miles, I'll give him the credit that he, he meant he wasn't going to miss school. So, so anyways, at, while we're at that, at that reception, people are coming up to me, like, you know, strangers, like, dude, that was incredible. A couple players, you know, like, like everybody was like, fucking dude, that was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and then my response was the same. I'm like, dude, I spoke from the heart, man. I'm fucking Jerry Bust. Like, fuck, man. Like, like this guy added meaning to my life that I had never met him. And that's what I said. I met the guy a handful of times, but but that's not why I'm speaking. I'm speaking yeah. because my fucking changed my fucking like my my parents. I had a my bonding schedule, moment with my, yeah, my life. Exactly my, everything. Yeah. My parents, but like, hey, man. At a time before I got kicked out of the house for selling weed, that was one of the things we bonded over was yeah, Laker games. Yeah. But with my kids. Like, dude, that's what we yelled and screamed about. That was bonding shit. Yeah. My community, everybody, like, that's it. Your schedules. You're like, fuck, sorry, man. It's Thanksgiving. Fuck, I'm watching the game. Yeah, like, that's it. like, Larson and I, like, oh. it's ping pong, surfing, and the Lakers. Right? So, uh, <laughs> how many and, times that, yeah, that we spent the and, most hours? And again, that doesn't mean I don't like the Clippers. I just like the Lakers more. I, I like basketball. <laughs> hey, fucking, hey, man, Kawhi Leonard, I can't fuck with that guy, man. No, fuck him. Yep. Fuck him. Yep. Fuck the Clippers. Fuck I'm Steve Bob, whatever yep. the fuck that yep. guy's name is. Yeah, uh, bomber. Um, but the point being is, um, at the point where it was time to leave, we had to cut out a little early, so that was still fucking going on. And, uh, you know, all the fucking vampires were sucking onto that shit. Um, <laughs> I had to leave, so so 
we went up front to the valet or whatever and called up my car. And as we're waiting for a car to come up, my car, um, I'm kind of just bullshit with Miles about the day and kind yeah. of how relieved I was. And the valet comes up and he's like, hey, man, uh, that person over there is trying to get your attention. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And they're like, hey, you know, flags me over. And I'm like, what's up? And they're like, are you Greg Tomlinson? I'm like, yeah. She's And it was a lady. And she's like, well, hey, I'm so-and-so from the Daily Beast. I don't know what fucking newspaper. But it's yeah. obviously a newspaper. She's like, oh, well, I'm so-and-so from, you know, the LA Times. And it wasn't the Times, though. Yeah, I, yeah. It was a secondary paper. Um, and I'm like, oh, good to meet you. What's going on? She's like, well, you're the Greg Tomlinson that spoke today, right? And I said, yeah. She's like, wow, man, you created a big stir. And I'm like, oh, how's that? And she's like, oh, well, there's just a lot of people talking about you right now. And I said, uh, well, I hope it's good. And she's like, well, yeah, I really enjoyed your speech. She's like, how did that come together? And I'm like, oh, well, I kind of know the buses a little bit. And Jim asked me to speak on behalf of being a fan. And so I humbly accepted the offer. She's like, oh, and at that point, I didn't have much of a conversation with her, except at that point, my car came up. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got to go. My kid's got night school or something. I got to go. So I jumped in my Prius and started going down the freeway. And so at that point, I can't remember. There was never any time that I didn't have the AM radio on <laughs> in that period because I was just Laker talk. Yeah. yeah. Except, and by the way, no, not sports. Laker, Laker talk. Okay, <laughs> let's make it abundantly clear. I don't give a fuck about football. I don't fucking care about baseball. Yeah. I, I, I like I like fucking basketball. Yeah. It's the only team sport I'm into. Yep. But boom, done. Like, listen, when the women's soccer team is in a gold medal game, I'm fucking in, okay? <laughs> but unless it is that, and yeah, okay, I, I kind of kept an eye on the Super Bowl. But fuck, unless it's a game, I don't give a fuck. I'd rather go surf. Like, yeah. I, like wait, I'll go play guitar and smoke weed. Like, fuck that. I'm not sitting there for four hours. <laughs> yeah. But I will for a Laker game. Yeah. And I don't care who the fuck they're playing. So you're listening. And so, so anyways, the radio might not, and it's odd because I don't think the radio is on at that point. But we're driving. And by the way, both my cars now, the radios don't work. Okay, so I am totally cut off from like my vital source of Laker fucking dirt, right? And this to this day, I drive a 71 van and a 76 Chevy pickup and neither of them's radios work. The, the I, you know, my iPad fucking thing plugs in, whatever. So anyways, so Miles, as we're driving home, my son is like, I think, my it would it, Facebook was a thing, but I think he was on Twitter, and he's like, "Oh shit, Dad, you're fucking blowing up on Twitter, you're trending," and I'm like, trending. "What do you?" I'm like, "What, what do you mean?" Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> "I didn't even know what trending was," yeah. you know. I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm trending." He's like, "Dude, everybody's fucking talking about you," and I'm like, "Why?" So at that point, I turn on the radio and I just catch it. Who is this Greg Tomlinson guy? He stormed the stage at the Lakers thing. Today. No, and I'm like, like, wait, one was... fucking minute, because they probably got a, a, a copy of the event, and your the name guy. wasn't on it. Who's this guy? He's not on the list. That's it. <laughs> so the news turned it into a fucking that I did storm. a Kanye West, uh, Christina Aguilera, what? Britney Spears moment or something. <laughs> Which, as it started to dawn upon me, I was like, wait, what? And again, I remember whoever the super fan gets in. Right. Yeah. Oh whoever the USC basketball coach was at that time was kind of the guy who was being quoted like, who the hell is this guy? He just shows up in his purple outfit and da 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 da. What a disrespect. Like that LA, that LA, the that USC basketball coach was the guy who wrote me off. That Are was quoted in everything. Kidding me? Yeah, that was quoted in everything. 
you know, and the and the next day's papers kind of shit. But he was the one that was like, who is this guy? And then whether it was J.A. Andrade or Plasky, the other yeah, two real yeah, big yeah. beat writer yeah. L.A. things, kind of picked up on it, and they were talking about it. So everyone said GT is a Greg Thompson, who is this guy? Steve. Who is Greg Thompson? Who... Who is this fucking guy? Yeah. Because again. Because you're in a heavy I, lineup of speakers and you're not, but on, he's not the, on the list. And you're not on the list and you're but he, just. He you're, kills it. But, he's up there. He fucking but kills he's where, it. He's, he's looking a like little a abstract. Super fan. Yeah, like super fan. So, oh my God. so anyways. Mind blowing. So as we're listening to it on the drive home, the. Did you call it Tish? Or well, I got. So we're listening to her on the way home and they're like rating the speeches and like, you know, and I was pretty happy that my rate was actually pretty high compared to some of them. <laughs> and, and, you know, comparing speeches and David Stern seemed to be the resounding loser. And I was kind of in the Stern. middle of the pack, which I was pretty happy. And, and, but anyways, the topic every now and again would be like, who the fuck is that guy? You know? Oh my so God. I get that home. That is hilarious. I get home that night and I call Jim and I'm like, Yo, Jim, are you aware of what's going on here? And he's like, yeah, dude, I'm super bummed. And he's like, yeah. leave it to the media because Jim got taken apart. Leave it to the LA media that my dad passes away and now they're undoing me for inviting, you know, for, for having you speak. Wow. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, Jim. They don't know that you spoke. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I told the one lady from the Daily Reporter or whatever that Jim invited me. So that must have been how mm. that broader news got a hold of it. So I'm like, well, Jim, I said, I'm, I'm, dude, I, I swear to God, I'm so sorry. And I said, dude, I gotta be honest with you, I was reluctant to do it out of fear that this might backfire somehow and, and disrespect your dad's passing. I'm like, that's the last thing I ever wanted him to do. And he's like, fuck that, GT. He's like, and this is a quote. He's like, dude, of the 10 people that spoke tonight or today, my dad probably liked three of them. Yeah. And the bottom line is, the only speech he would have admired is yours. Wow. And I was like, and I was like, wow. He's like, no, dude, you said what needed to be said. And my dad would have, would have adored that. Yeah. So I'm like, and I mean, I get goosebumps saying it because that's the true quote. And so I'm like, I'm like, damn, Jim. Yeah. Well, what the fuck are we going to do? He's like, dude, let it lie. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. Honestly, who fucking cares? Well, Jim was bummed because they kind of went after him. And then, and so the next day, the next day, it's funny. Okay, so the next day, we had a photo shoot with Mueller in Laguna. So the next day, I show up at the location and Mueller gets there maybe 10 minutes later. And he's like, GT, and Mueller was a, bas a, a Laker fan. Obviously, the Kobe basketball, you know, yeah. wears yeah. a piece shot. He had season tickets at the time. And he was like, GT, what the fuck? And I'm like, Molly, I call him Mew Mew, actually. I'm like, Mew Mew, I fucking can't believe it. He's like, wait a minute, have you seen the fucking papers? So he, he has the Register and the Times, like cover the sports page. Who is Greg Tomlinson on both fucking things? <laughs> and all the stories, he's like, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> and I'm like, oh fuck. Smoke. Is that picture in your house? Which picture? No. You know what, no, no. I fucking, I Googled your name the other day. Yeah, it might've come up. And that came up. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so, who is this guy? Yeah, no, no, it was all uh, it was all that. And so at that point, I called Jim, and I'm like, yo, dude, 
I read the articles and I'm like, yo, dude, I feel I need to respond to this. This is fucking horse shit. Like they're, they're disrespecting you and they need to know like how this all kind of aligned. Because quite frankly, I was kind of getting written off too. And yes, at the time I was on, I was on Twitter. Um, again, I probably had 14 followers and never even posted anything to Twitter. But people found me on Twitter and was like, fuck you. You know, and I'm like, I'm like, for what? Yeah. Like, fuck me. For what? Like, are you not a fan? Because, because, dude, I, I, said. I, 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 just I spoke for you. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 my whole position was I was speaking for the greater LA this fucking is so fan base. Weird, dude. It's so weird. So I'm like, fuck it, Jim. Yeah. I need to respond to this. I'm gonna call in. I can't remember who's the dude. Barry, get your ticket. Um, Matt Money Smith and um, the funny fucking dude. Anyways, the one dude, you know, every fucking Laker pregame you listen to his ass, right? He might still be doing it. I don't know. I don't got an AM radio anymore. But anyways, I'm like, I'm going to call during their show. Yeah. And he's like, absolutely not. Don't do it. Don't respond. Wow. So I'm like, fuck, man. So then through the course of the day, at one point, I got, I had to go, <laughs> I had to go buy a wig, which happened to be right across from where we were fucking shooting. And I was on the corner with a wig and some dude drove by going, JT, I saw you on the Laker thing. And I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, like that. So again, I called Jim back and I'm like, hey, you know what? This is rubbing me fucking wrong, dude. Because because really it boils down to, Jim, had I been on the invited speaker list, none of this would have happened. Right. So I said, I'm not one to tell you or anybody how to run a fucking business, but whoever whoever omitted me off the list, their head should roll. Because it wasn't like they called me five fucking times asking me for my correct spelling of my name, et cetera, et cetera. So I know they knew me and I know they fact checked me five fucking times. Right. So I'm like, dude, whoever dropped that ball, they're, they're the reason why. He's like, dude, just let it lie. So I did. And it was funny because maybe it came up a few times since. I was in New York doing some press shit for, for Von Zipper once upon a time and and it was pretty rad. Um, fast, Fastco, Fastco, Fast Money. Anyways, fast the, money, yeah. the, the one kind of big um, kind of uh, money fair periodical, like mover shaker, kind of like Fortune 500, Fastco, Fast. Anyways, they, in the press, that like my PR people for Von Zipper were like, hey, dude, fucking rad. Fastco wants to fucking interview you Whoa. for Von Zipper. And I'm like, fuck, really? Okay, like we're still like $13 in a bong hit. Like, why would the fucking look at me? <laughs> so I got there, and the dude, all he wanted to talk about was that Lakers story. Yeah. And I'm like, mm, I'm not really comfortable talking about that. Yeah. And that was probably four or five years later. And, um, and I spoke to him kind of off the record because he was so interested in it, and he ended up printing it. Yeah. Well, and so, of course. So, um, of course. But it was kind of funny, and that's water on the bridge now. And, but one thing that's not water on the bridge is goddamn. Fucking AD, Schroeder, fucking LeBron, goddamn fucking all the way down to Dudley. Those dudes are my fucking boys. Yeah. Frank Vogel, I'd like to see Harold get some minutes late in the game, a little bit more minutes than he's currently playing. But I love that fucking team. When they won last year, I mean, it's been a minute. And as a Laker fan and, and any of you guys fucking listening that are, goddamn it, we caught the fucking Celtics. Fuck them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and through all that, man, that shit don't die, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and again, same way I'm going to be sitting there watching those games with my grandkids. It's just been a big part yeah. of my experience as much as surfing or fucking snowboarding or skateboarding or riding fucking motorcycles. Yeah. You know, it's like all part of it. Um, because 
I just have always been enthused by fucking amazing people doing incredible things. And that's just another fucking thing, you know? Dude, it's 2.42. What time do you get out of here? You have to go? No. Yeah. Um, GT, oh my God. (laughs) What a fucking amazing two-part fucking section. Two parts too long. Not even. The only thing I would add, and this is something that I'm really proud of in recent times, is um, aside from his brand being 20 years old, um, aside from my kids who are like my best friends, we live together still. They're 22, 24, and 26. They keep me young. I keep them in tune. I like the same video games they do. We yell and scream about, you know, everything. Um, that I'd like to think I've made them relevant and they keep me relevant. Um, sure. I'm really proud of that. I'm super happy that, um, you know, you guys, you know, the better part of our community has maintained some health and, and, and well-being through this really fucking tricky time. Um, I, I, I feel terrible for anybody who's, who, who's, who's experienced some tragedy through COVID. Um, I'm a close talker. I'm a hugger. I like, let's get this shit behind us, you know, yeah. culture. But the other thing that, that, and that's important for me to get off my chest, but the other, th- and I believe in science just for what it's worth, okay, and this isn't a political debate. Um, but the one thing I, I'm going to say that as an adjunct to all the fucking cool shit that I've done, um, and I'm really proud of, it, and it's going to sound like a brag, but I can't help but say it. But my love for racing motorcycles is kind of what I've been honing in on for the last, you know, ten years. And, um, and that doesn't mean I'm not, you know, I, I surfed on Tuesday. Sorry, I didn't surf today. Um, um, and I, you know, I was in Mammoth a couple of weeks ago. Fucking, it was great. Valentine's weekend. You missed it. There was about eighteen inches of snow. Um, but um, I'll be there Sunday. Yep, have fun, dude. It's gonna be awesome. You're gonna get a little bit out of this one, I think. Um, it's raining outside right now. Um, but I've been chasing this motorcycle shit, and um, and as we talked about, my '86 Norton or my '73 Commando that I bought in '86, the Panheads. I've kind of over time collected bikes, and and I've kind of gotten fond of working on them, and it's just fun when they run, and and um, I just like to go fast, and it's all part of the same thing. Cornering on a motorcycle, fuck those dudes. <laughs> I grew up riding XR75s with Jeff Ward. Okay, so so I understood how much fun they fucking were. Yeah. But hey, man, when it's blown out. When it's fucking no snow, no ramp, no music, no shit. Fuck, jump on a motorcycle. It's endless, man. And oh, by the way, you don't got to worry about somebody back paddling you. It's fucking on. Yeah. And so so about 12 years ago, I started racing a national series that's um, called ARMA. It's American Historic Vintage Racing. American Historic Racing Motorcycles Association of America. It's a 30-year club, and it's it's dedicated to... There we go. Jay Larson's getting phone calls. From fucking, junior. Fucking junior. Um, but but what's rad is it's a 30-year club, and it's all basically vintage racing, which is everything I own. I own 30 motorcycles, and I think the latest model I own is a... Well, actually, I just bought a 2017 Husky, um, but everything is kind of 70s and earlier. So I do a lot of racing on vintage uh, Triumphs, flat track motocross. I got I have a cross-country trial scrambled this weekend. Um, this weekend? Yeah, um, that I've been wrenching on for the Good last luck. six weeks. Yeah, dude, I'm going to need it. Um but one thing I'm really proud of is I'm also the five-time national champ, uh, road race champion in my classic '60s class, this which guy is just doesn't stop fucking. Which which is rad because surprising it's a, the shit out of us. <laughs> I I've I've won it five times on a '68 Triumph and T120 that basically I bought I traded two snowboards for <laughs> and turned it into my road race bike and um, nice. I do the majority of the work of it my on myself um, um, and I'm telling you, bros. When you when you drive to fucking Leeds, Alabama, or Topeka, fucking Kansas, 
or um, or uh, Tuolumne, Utah, or Laguna Seca. Dude, you show up to that shit, man. Your bike fucking is everything. You don't fucking drive two days to fucking have a mechanical, right? Yeah. So it's everything. It's, it's one thing if you've got a glass of fin on. It's another thing when you blow your engine up during practice and you got to get that thing up and running before, you know, race 11. You know, it's pretty fucking rad. Yeah. And so so over the last, um, you know, five years, I've been back to back. I did lose my title last year due to COVID because I only raced two races and it requires 10 to, to get a title. But I did show up to the last race of the year and wax the fucker who took my title in the rain, I might add. Um, um, but it's just another thing. And I guess what, I, what the point of, okay, write me off. Yep, I'm a bragger. And that's not what my intention is on this. What my intention of bringing that up is through my whole experience, everything for me has been about planting seeds of fucking positiveness. Right. Yeah. And having more fun than everybody mm -hmm. else. And fucking doing the things that turn you fucking on. I don't care if you fucking are a basket weaver. I don't give a fuck if you're black, yellow, pink, gay, trans. Dude, fucking float your boat and fucking rock it out, right? Just be cool to people, man. Right, and just leave it better than you fucking found it, right? And so, so the point being is in the early days, remember in the episode one about 18 hours ago, I had said, man, the first time I snowboarded, I was like, this completes the triangle. And remember, like the surfers were the surfers, the skaters were the skaters. Yeah. Snowboarding is what kind of tried it all out, right? That's the one that brought it all together. Folks like Nathan Fletcher, who was incredible on a motorcycle, incredible on a skateboard, incredible on a surfboard, incredible on a snowboard. People have made careers off of that shit, yeah. right? And my point is, is that, fuck man, don't judge. Don't be close-minded. The first time I showed up to the road race, like I said earlier, on my commando, there was a time that nobody could beat me in Ortega Canyon. That's the canyon right by my house. Nobody's faster me in that canyon. So we heard that there was some vintage motorcycle race at Willow Springs. Me and my buddies rode our fucking street bikes out to it, saw these old fuckers racing. Some guy was on North Commando. I'm like, fuck, I'm racing that next year. <laughs> we showed up, me and my best buddy, Mike Lorman, we show up, and we had to take our fucking racing license class and, you know, and I'm looking around, there's all these old fucking men with limps and fucking 60 years old. And I'm like, Mike, we are going to fucking wax these fucks. <laughs> that same fucking 60-year-old fucker that I was like, we're going to wax. That dude ended up with eight trophies, was the first American to win the Isle of Man, which you can do your homework on what the Isle of Man is. But it's the gnarliest road race in the world. Um, a guy named Dave Roper. And I, at that point, learned... Never judge a book by its fucking cover because I got smoked by that motherfucker. And, and, and it's funny because I do a lot of dirt track. Same thing. You think that some fucking old man, you're like, don't fucking write that shit off, man. That guy's forgot more racecraft than you're ever going to fucking have. The same way that old fucker at your peak has forgotten more days out front. All right. Yeah. Or that same fucking troll that's been skating that spot. Dude, come on, man. He fucking built that place. Yeah, you know what I mean? So, so you just got to kind of respect it. And, sure. and again, and respect people from other tribes. And that's kind of what that's learned me to do. And at the end of the day, again, to the travel, when the fuck would I have ever shown up to Leeds, Alabama? When the fuck would I have ever shown up to Glacier or Mount Baker? When would I have ever gotten to fucking Tahiti? When would I have ever skated fucking escape country? When would I have ever done any of this shit if it wasn't for this awesome fucking thing that we've been able to chase that, God damn it, don't ever fucking take that shit for granted. I sure as hell don't. And, and again, 
you all want to fucking write me off, go right ahead. But the point being is, hey, man, I'm like, I, we're sitting on the couch. We're fucking homies. Like, trust me, we're all cut from the same fucking cloth here. And that's, that's really, if this gives me a fucking venue to at least state that, hey, man, buy my sunglasses. You hate them? Fucking don't buy them. But thank you if you did, because God damn it, that fucking fed my kids. And, and God damn it, again, that was that dime bag I smoked so I could fucking sell one to smoke one to fucking keep it going. That's it. And, and I never came home and kicked the fucking dog. I didn't have to because, God damn it, I don't take that shit for... Mickey Nielsen walked in. He's my facilities manager. And, and God damn it, I treat him the same way I treat the fucking Dave Tanner, the president of our fucking group. Yeah. That's it. Like the mailman, I fucking know him as well as I know the mailroom guy. I know him as well as I know my fucking art director. Yeah. And and, and that's yeah. what I bring to it. Well, and that's I, why that's, we love GT. Yeah. yeah. Tell, so, it, tell it. Greg Tomlinson. Telling it as it is. Bro. Oh, fuck. From the heart. From the heart. Okay. But, but let's close this out. Being authentic. GT. Being original. Skater. Hustler. Surfer. <laughs> motocross. Mo what, is it, what is it? Road bike. Motorcyclist. Motorcyclist. <laughs> fucking entrepreneur. <laughs> businessman. College graduate. Yeah. And oh, college fucking graduate. Dean's list. Dean's list. Dean's list. Father, father of three. Super probably the most important thing. Um, family man. Um, snowboarder. You didn't say snowboarder. snowboarder. I'm really proud of that shit. I was getting to it. Yeah. Um, just, hey, this has been truly amazing. <laughs> um, I, I just want you to, I'm going to write down some lotto numbers for you, for you to just circle dude, for me. Right? Can you just, can we ever figure that out? Can you just give Fuck. me like six, just six numbers now? No, no, yeah. Cause but, I'm about to go to sleep under my desk for a few hours <laughs> and pretend like I'm working. You know, no, I'm getting, trust no. me. As soon as we get done here, I'm in a spreadsheet world and, um, and again, Friday, I'm going to load up my shit. I'm going to go race Cahia. I've got a trial on Saturday, cross country Saturday afternoon, and then scramble on Sundays with three fucking bikes. And fuck. And then next the weekend after that, I think I got a mammoth trip planned. And uh, fuck, I'm going to Hawaii in May. Come on over. We can hang out, drink some Mai Tais, whatever, you know? I love it. GT, I'm thank on, you for uh, yeah. giving us so much good <laughs> fucking stories. Thank uh, you. Thank you, guys. I'm humbled to, I, you know what? Yeah. When you called me, LC. I was like, hey, man, like, do you really want to talk? And then I'm like, I got a story to tell. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? I think there's a movie in that, like, kind there's of a fast a times. There's a fast times kind of thing that, there's like, fucking, you know, like, there's, this is, a, I mean, it's the, a series. The most interesting man. Uh, well, I wait. Hey, no, but, but think about Cobra Kai, but it's GT. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not accepting any of that except that, dude, it's all in the pursuit of fun. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, right. no, you're you're well respected. I mean, you're fun fun human. A fun oh guy. And, I'm a fun guy. And we Super love. I mean, the, I mean that's what we're here for is yep. have fun. Hey, yeah. and anybody who wants to dispute it, fucking hit me up on Instagram, man. GT Five E's. Like, fuck, man. If anything I've said that you guys want to dispute, I'm happy to fucking debate it with you. But there ain't <laughs> nothing to debate because that's the way it went down. So love it. Thank you, GT. Cheers. Peace. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music. 